Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Look, I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Failed a lot of people. Highly disappointed, you know, about where we're at, how the season went. You know, I never take lightly what's at stake here. It's not, you know, the wins and losses, but, you know, people's lives are on the line. Players' families, coaches' families, front office, people in this building, and I don't ever take that lightly. You know, I'm disappointed. Um, disappointed where we're at, and ultimately, it falls on my shoulders. It's been a true honor to uh, be able to represent this this team these past uh, eight games. I've really, really appreciated all the staff, the organization as a whole, uh, and the team meeting today. I brought everybody in and just made sure they all understood how much I appreciated the effort and a very difficult circumstance, how many of them uh, worked to make the best of a tough situation. So I'm grateful for that. Not nearly as far as y'all think. I've seen some articles <laughs> here recently so I can assure you, a lot of shots fired, and uh, I don't think we're nearly as far off as you guys believe we are. I, I think the, the, the line in football between winning and losing is, is very narrow, and uh, there's things that we have not done um, that I believe habits that are created in March and April and OTAs and preseason and you know early in the season, they pay dividends in November and December, right? Unfortunately, I didn't have that opportunity for those things, but those moments matter. Indianapolis Chris Ballard isn't going anywhere. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have to deal with it. We just got done with Chris Ballard at the podium at the Colts Complex. Charlie Clifford, Wish TV, Eddie Garrison. We are thrilled and quite honestly honored to have Marlon Jackson, Super Bowl 41 champ, in studio with us. Noon to three on the fan. Marlon Jackson, welcome to the show on what is... One of the more interesting days that we will all sit through together this offseason in Indianapolis. What's going on, man? Yeah, what's going on, Charlie? It's it's great to be here today, to have the opportunity to come on air with you. And um, on such a day, right, a, a new beginning, <laughs> right, a new One horizon, can hope. A new One can hope. Is out ahead, and it's going to be a journey. But I think everybody in this city is excited to see where this journey takes us. And there's going to be a lot of speculation there's going to be a lot of uh, bantering. Yes, uh, it begins right now. Right now, right now. Let's go. Mar- <laughs> Marlon Jackson, we want to lay this out there first and foremost. Both you and I respect Chris Ballard as a man, as a leader, certainly everything he's done off the field. Today, Chris Ballard sat back down and, as you would expect, did not make excuses. None at all. None at all. Did not point fingers. Great shooter. Uh, tried to patch up things publicly with Jim Ursay, uh, was not nearly, I thought, as critical of Matt Ryan as he was one year ago of Carson Wentz, which we'll get mm-hmm, into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Ballard, the number one quote I liked was he said, look, I've fired myself 50 times this season. I sat in the press box in agony. And we can tell you from sitting in those press boxes, uh, yeah. He was pissed all season long. This was a disaster in his eyes. But Marlon Jackson, Colts fans driving around this afternoon, are all shaking their heads saying the same thing. Well, why does Chris Ballard still have a job? 
And well, that question needs to be answered. That, that is, that's, and, that, and that's a question that really, like, that none of us can answer. Right? That, that's, that's a question for Mr. Ursay. So if, if somebody can get Mr. Ursay on the line, we can ask him that question. But, you know, um, for Chris, I, I love the, the brutal odyssey. And, even, and what you said there of him agonizing and he fired himself a number of times already this times. season. Where that is a that's the mindset of a competitor, right? And and that's somebody that I I like in terms of it, it's not always going to be easy. It's going to be difficult, but he he's willing to weather the storm. And that he's most critical of himself, right? It we the the media, the fan fan base, that comes a part of it where you're in a position where people are going to be very critical of you because the bottom line is winning. And when you're not doing that, it's and you're not even bring, close, it's going to bring, you know, criticism. Um, but to know that, you know, he's not sitting back, putting his feet up and how, how could he, right? He's internalizing this. He's taking it on his shoulders, right? And, and not trying to deflect anything anywhere else, but owning up uh, and being accountable for the shortcomings that was the Indianapolis Colts this past season, and really as an organization for the past they, six years, they just, now. they just fallen off. We've we've had winning seasons, but but this one was like no other, right? No. That that we've witnessed. Twenty seventeen, his first year. To make be frank, that team was terrible. There was no talent. There was no vision. That was a rebuilding year. This was supposed to be the move with Matt Ryan, as Chris Ballard admitted this afternoon, Marlon. This was the move to get this team over the hump. And instead, they regressed into the top five. The number one thing, as we look ahead, before we get to the coaching, this is how we're going to break it down here on the fan. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Marlon Jackson, Super Bowl 41 champ. We're going to start with the coaching decision. We're going to move to personnel changes that Chris Ballard made it very clear even if you're a good player, if you regress this season, oh, that's the word. That that's the means word right there. That's the word. that you are susceptible to being moved. Chris Ballard said there's going to be changes in the personnel department. We're going to try to map out what we expect those changes to be. But first, it's the quarterback spot. I don't care who the general manager is. I don't care who the head coach is. I don't care how many Pro Bowlers you put at defensive tackle, middle linebacker, nickel corner. The quarterback spot is the decision Chris Ballard said if number one, if if that player, if they feel like their guy is only gettable at number one, they will move to get up there and, and make that trade with the Chicago Bears. That's what you need to know this afternoon. He did not rule that out. Yep. And he opened that door publicly, which could have played that the other way. Marlon just said, drafts in 107 days. We haven't even gotten that deep into it. No, no, no. He stepped forward know, you, you, and you, said you can't, that. You can't. He, he can't do that, right? Just with the circumstance. We all know. We, we know what it is, right? There's no sugarcoating anything right now with the Indianapolis Colts and the circumstance that we find ourselves within. It lies and rests at the quarterback position. And, and as you were talking about Matt Ryan, you know, I had words come to my mind, overestimated, right? You know, yes. you, you overestimated the value that he was bringing to the organization Blatantly. at this point in time. You weren't even close in, in to his, your estimation. In his career, right? And then you start, you spoke about other guys and you, you brought up a word that was going off in my mind, regress, regression, right? So that combination of overestimating at the quarterback position and then some regression with the offense 
offensive line was ultimately a recipe for disaster. So now as you move forward, you know, as an organization and your your positioning in the draft, we all know as a, as a fan base, as a city, as an organization, the focus is on the quarterback position. And then when you look at your roster and you understand that there is talent on this Indianapolis Colts roster, specifically there better be. on the there defensive be after side six years. Yeah. of the football. And if you think about who's in Chicago, Matt Eberflus, who's coached, some of the defensive talent. Marlon Jackson, there could not be a better trade partner than the Chicago Bears. <laughs> they have mean, no talent on defense. They have the coach who developed the know, talent here in Indianapolis. The writings are the writing is on the wall. If there is any could chance possibly occur. Couldn't be better. Right. Couldn't be know, better. Everything's there. How did we get here at the quarterback spot? Chris Ballard was asked about his continued inability to address the most important position in sports. Here's his answer this afternoon. At one point, we had Andrew Luck. You know, all right, so then, you know, you go to 19, and then we we'll go to the 19 season, um, get done with that one, and we decide to go with Phillip Rivers at the time. That was an area that when we had the 13th pick and we ended up trading for Buckner, that we did have serious talk about it at the time. At that point, we said, you know, we got a burden hand here. We got a, we're getting a three technique that's a really special player and fits our character profile, what we want. In 21, we, you know, we signed Carson. The opportunity to do it probably was in 20. We made the decision with Buckner, and I don't, I don't regret that decision. Chris Ballard went on to say when the acquisition of Carson Wentz went down, the vision was this is a young quarterback that can provide five to six years of stability. When is the excuse of that Carson Wentz move, Marlon, going to be finally put to the side and that scapegoat would be closed? We all understand Carson Wentz did not play well last year. He probably didn't warrant a second season at the time where we sat Last year, one exactly one year ago, looking at his final eight games that season, the inability to throw for over 200 yards, the inability to win Turn one of your final two. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you've whiffed now for five years. What we now know about Andrew Luck's health, the shoulder, the fact that Chris Ballard was standing on a parking garage with Andrew Luck and doctors trying to figure out if he was ever going to be able to throw a ball in the forward direction again. Luck comes back for one more year. You could have very quietly begun to pick a backup plan through the draft or young quarterbacks on the market to try to develop. They haven't done that. And there's no, the fact that you're still making the decisions without answering that question. That's the most baffling thing for me. Yeah, I think maybe indirectly, like he, he said that there was a lot of mistakes, but he didn't, he didn't address it head on where we know that they've missed and that they should at hindsight be in 2020, right? The investment in a young quarterback should have been made, but in some fashion, he, he said that they felt like they were maybe one piece away. The rest of the roster was in a great spot, right? To get over the hump, we need a veteran quarterback. So then that became the strategy, right? The rest of the, the rest of the roster is in a great position we have the pieces set. We're just missing the quarterback. If we bring in a veteran guy, that's exactly the piece that we're missing. And that's been the strategy over the last five, six 
seasons. We now we we know with hindsight it hasn't worked, <laughs> right? Carson Wentz didn't work, and we can even see that he didn't deserve a second year based upon how he played this year with with the Washington Commanders. Right, he he stunk it up again. Was an unreliable guy, um, but we know that now the investment needed to be made in a quarterback, and you set yourself back. Which I don't know if it's a Ballard thing, right? Ultimately, uh, going after Carson Wentz, he had to he had to sign off on it and agree upon it. But for me, I feel like that was heavily influenced by Frank Wright. And you know what? Now it's besides the point because Chris Ballard in two months is going to be the only person that's still in that room Yep. from when all these decisions were made. He's the last person on the Island. He was asked Chris Ballard. Do you still want to be here? Do you still want this job after Jim Irsay has clearly meddled in your decisions? The most important decisions around this franchise for the past year. This was Chris Ballard's thoughts on his gig in Indianapolis. No, like we don't got a, we don't have a transfer portal. We don't, we don't have that, and I don't want it. I've never backed out of anything in my life, and I won't back out of this, and we'll get it right. Um, I don't – people are scared to struggle. I'm not going to sit here and say I like it, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of the struggle. I'm not afraid of the hardness of what we do. Matter of fact, I kind of get off on it. And – to answer your question, no. No, else, no other place I want to be but Indy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're like, what else is he going to say? Right. <laughs> I do think that's true. I, 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 I believe, do, I believe I him. I do think as stubborn and as dogmatic, those were the two words Chris Ballard's used with some of his shortcomings in terms of building this roster, in terms of not relenting on his strategy for the past six years. He doubled down saying, you can put it on my grave. It'll be on there. You need to be great up front. Okay. He's a Wisconsin man. That's not going to be taken out of his DNA. Barry Alvarez was the one who just put that in his mind. And he's right. Three plus decades ago. Here's the deal, though, Marlon. Chris Ballard, in terms of... Look, in terms of what he believed, he said at the very end, we have done a very, very bad job of managing expectations. And to what you just said earlier, all right, one quarterback away, one veteran away, you were never that close to honestly be able to tell yourself that. You got rolled in the divisional round with Andrew Luck, which at that time was the hottest offense in the National Football League. Everything was clicking. You turned around, Phillip Rivers, a team that we now know played the most efficient football in his tenure here. You couldn't get out of wildcard weekend. You've never been that close in the the continued decision-making and the continued belief that one veteran quarterback away, this team can do it. That's just been a lie. And why have you continued to not be able to, to look around and say, you know what, even if we hit on Matt Ryan, Look at what Joe Burrow just did. Look at Pat Mahomes sitting here. Look at Josh Allen. Why are we wasting our time trying to sell our fan base on this fairy tale? They sold it all summer. Jim Irsay said Matt Ryan is everything we've hoped and dreamed from from an organizational standpoint. The entire rhetoric that first day at training camp was the goal is the AFC South. There's no exceptions. This is the year we loaded up on defense. The playmakers, you guys can trash our playmakers. We're going to prove you wrong. 
and you fell flat on your face. See, but when you say that, I, I think I think about it, and I was thinking about this on the way down here, right? So they they were they were projecting a vision, right? Of it's a marketing of, campaign. Uh, it, it's, but a lot of people bought into it though, because a lot of people parroted what they were saying, right? You know, there there weren't a lot of people, in my opinion, around that were picking them to fail. So if if everybody had it figured out, right, and, and we all understand football so greatly in building a roster, why wasn't there additional analysis outside of the organization to then start even before the season starts to start pointing these these shortcomings out it, it's 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 really it's, it's so reactive and it's, it's it's the nature of the of society that we live in like after we see the failure and the shortcomings then we're going to we're going to criticize but everybody else was saying the same things that they were saying heading into the season people were picking the coats as a contender yes right but when but when we actually see the product and it's not working out that's when we start to be very very critical so you know i, I just said it to say that's the nature of the business with media and then sports and entertainment is this but for as an organization they believed the fan base believed the media believed until we started to see and experience what the team actually was and what the team actually was for me on offense because the defense was phenomenal the majority of the season. But one, of the, one of the things that that, that, won a playoff that game. Ballard said was they, they lost their competitive confidence. That happened much later in the season for the defense. The offense, it was early, early on, and I think it started first with the quarterback and Matt Ryan when he saw that he wasn't going to be well protected. That when saw he was, Jacksonville week two. What he was sold three and a half months ago as an offensive line, highest paid in the National Football League. He thought that he was going to be able to hand the ball off and it was going to be great play action, right? Hand the ball off to JT, great play action to Michael Pittman, get some big plays down the field. But it was otherwise. Right. And then those guys up front. Right. When you when you weren't solid at the left tackle, where you weren't solid at at the right guard. Right. And then. Your you center not anywhere for your, the first six was, weeks. Was, your center yeah. is not Ryan playing Kelly, at the same Quentin level. Nelson, your Braden left Smith. guard's not playing at the same level, right? There was that regression. So everybody seeing that and experiencing it psychologically, that affects your confidence. And when you don't have the confidence, it shows in your behavior, which is your play. And that's what we all witnessed. But, you know, Ballard had had a vision and he constructed that vision he in my opinion just went wrong when he continued to you know place the foundational pieces on an a a aging quarterback on a quick fix um marlon he opened his press conference with look we have some of the smartest people in football in this building i'm not wavering them on them i'm not turning my backs i still believe in everybody in here and the fact that that calculation went through with, hey, you can still be productive, play winning football with a statue in the pocket, you know, that that was just a gross, gross estimation. And yep. that's why you are where you are today. Marlon Jackson, Super Bowl 41 champ, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV. A privilege to be with you this afternoon. Chris Ballard got done. It's about 40 minutes up there at the podium. 
These are some quick bullet points we need to get you. We're going to try to get you them every 20 minutes here on the fan. Number one, yes, Jeff Saturday will be a head coaching candidate. He will go through the entire interview process. Ballard believed Saturday improved behind the scenes during eight weeks as an interim head coach, although he admitted clearly there wasn't much progress shown on the field. One place he did single out improving was the offensive line. He does believe Bernard Ryman is the left tackle of the future. As we already mentioned, the plan with the fourth overall pick, yes, the Colts are interested if it comes to this to move up to the number one overall pick. That would be a trade with the Chicago Bears. Stay tuned on that story. Yes, he still talks to Frank Reich. And he believes, this is Chris Ballard, that Reich will be a great head coach in the NFL again. It remains to be seen if Reich gets a spot in this coaching cycle. Jonathan Taylor, ankle injury. The Colts will know in the next two weeks if he needs surgery or if he'll just be able to continue his rehab. It looks like right now he won't need surgery. That's a big plus for the long-term future. Matt Ryan Chris Ballard believes Matt Ryan still has gas in the tank, still has some football in him. I'm not going to even comment on that. We're going to move yeah. forward. His his relationship with Jim Ursay, Chris Ballard saying, yes, Mr. Ursay is letting me do my job. He went on the record and said that, said they don't agree on some things. They do agree on other things. Regardless, to this point, they've agreed to disagree and move forward on certain critical decisions. And then he was asked about Jim Harbaugh and other coaching candidates. He didn't want to get into any potential coaching candidates. Marlon Jackson, it's 1230 in the middle of the week. Jim Harbaugh already has an interview lined up with Denver. There are reports that if both sides see eye to eye that Jim Harbaugh would take that job. Are you beginning to believe that Jim Harbaugh, for whatever reason, will not be in the conversation in Indianapolis. What are your thoughts? Oh, about I can't. That? I can't believe that. No, I mean, you know, no matter what I may see right now, um, behind the scenes, with the history of Jim Harbaugh in the city of Indianapolis and the organization of the Indianapolis Colts, was it the comeback? The comeback, Captain kid? Comeback, Captain Comeback, ninety-five, Captain Comeback. I was a kid watching that. Yep. that a- AFC Championship game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but knowing that history. Um, the alignment and timing of all of this with Jim being in a great spot and with his resume and what he's been able to do at the University of Michigan over the last two seasons. Um, 25 and 2. Really just totally reviving the confidence in his ability as a a head coach and his decision making and his schematics, the systems that he brings. Um, How could you not be considering that individual for your position at the Indianapolis Colts. For me, I I can't buy that. The only Uh, way Jim Harbaugh is out right now, Marlon Jackson, is if he already told Jim Ursay, no interest. Don't want to don't want to pony up to this circus. Trust me, he's had a very close eye. Yep. He certainly has insider information about how decisions are being made. To me, the only way Jim Harbaugh is out the Wednesday after the regular season is if he already told the Colts, yeah, you're my option three or four. I'll talk to you in a week or so and, after and, I meet with Denver. And just not knowing him well, but just having an under, a, some, somewhat of an understanding, I would say, I, I can't even see Jim Harbaugh just turning it down, right? You know, when you, when you have history with an organization and with the city and the history is love, like, you know, 
he is he's loved here for what he was able to do during that run, right? And I'm sure he has fond memories of the city of of Indianapolis, the same as the University of Michigan being his alma mater. Sure. He's he's an alumni of the Indianapolis Colts. So I I would have to believe that there is something that intrigues Jim Harbaugh about the timing and alignment of the opportunity here in His Indianapolis. His stock can never be higher. He knows he has to go this year. There's potential recruiting infractions on the way to Ann Arbor. His stock will never be higher. Two consecutive wins against Ohio State. Two national semifinal appearances. His chase, the elusive Lombardi trophy in Jim Harbaugh's eye, now is the time. And something tells me, Marlon Jackson, that... If Jim Harbaugh is taking an interview with Denver, first and foremost, just as he did last year, he flew out to Minneapolis with the belief he would become the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings decided they wanted to go in another direction. He didn't take another interview. You wonder if it will be another one-and-done situation for Jim Harbaugh. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV. Marlon Jackson in studio. Eddie Garrison in charge of quarterbacking what was a very interesting press conference with General Manager Chris Ballard. We'll continue our thoughts with this after the break. Plus, Thad Mata joining us at the bottom of the hour. Butler heads out to St. John's, the latest on the dogs from Butler's head coach. That's next on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, we'll work through that. I had a good talk with Matt yesterday. We'll work through that. Right now, it's about the head coach. Um, You know, our staff's evaluating our roster. Um, We'll work through that. Um, But right now, the the priority of the organization is to, to get the right head football coach. The first domino to fall will be head coach Chris Ballard, Colts general manager, spoke this afternoon. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Marlon Jackson, Marlon Thrilled to have you in studio this afternoon. You catch Marlon on the Wish TV Colts postgame show alongside Anthony Calhoun. Marlon, the fact that Chris Ballard believes Matt Ryan still has football in him, is that talk to (laughs) help the team potentially land a trading partner with Matt Ryan, or is it something else? What did you make of that comment? Um, Yeah, I mean, he was trying to work his way around it, and... Uh, not try to lead anybody on in terms of the organization, the media, not trying to set any expectations. Will Matt be back or not? But then trying to, I feel like, be respectful of the player because he didn't he didn't speak of too much of the things physically. He spoke more of the the mental side and his ability, you know, to, to grasp a playbook. A little and, different than how uh, he addressed the Carson Wentz situation last year. When not, he as told di- him, not as direct. Hey, hey, Carson Wentz, former MVP candidate. Uh, you need to make the layups. That yep. that that was not heard today with Matt Ryan, who had the most turnovers in football despite playing just twelve games. And, and I and I think a part of that for me is because he understands that Matt Ryan did not have all of the pieces of the puzzle that he needed in terms of that steady, consistent offensive line play from the beginning of the season, where it started off literally on the wrong foot with Matt Ryan not being protected by the best, why by the perceived to be... Keyword there. <laughs> perception. The highest paid. Highest paid. The perceived, the, the marketed. You have a left best guard on the, the front of your building, and... 
you turned in the second most sacks in football. You weren't even yeah. close to being average. And, and I, I think I think having all of that information and understanding that and the type of quarterback that Matt Ryan is, he wasn't a guy that was going to, you know, create or be elusive or extend plays. He was dependent upon, he's that old school statue of a quarterback, stand in the pocket, I can process all the information quickly, but... Arm's still alive. Arm's still alive. Until the end of the season. But I have to be protected. And I have to be perfect. I have to stay clean. And they weren't able to do that, obviously, which spiraled, and again, the word competitive confidence went out the window. We're going to want your thoughts on the Chris Ballard press conference we need your take we're going to do that in a short while right now a quick pivot we are thrilled to have butler head basketball coach thad mata on the mower shop from fisher's hotline this afternoon bulldogs at st john's 6 6 30 tip off tonight that's a game on fox sports one coach mata thank you for joining us we are very interested in your opinion on where your team is through six games in the Big East. We've seen some lineup changes. I know you've gotten a ton out of Manny Bates and Eric Hunter Jr. What's your message to the team ahead of tip-off tonight against St. John's? Well, I think this. We, we, we've got to um, we got to compete. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, when you're playing a team like St. John's, they're, they're by design very chaotic. Um, you know, they're going to try to pressure you, uh, turn you over, mm-hmm. make you play a way you don't want to play. And, and, and we've got to be able to take the, the, the kind of the blows they give us. And we haven't done a real good job with that this year. And, uh, and then, you know, hey, at the same time, you've got to be able to deliver the blows. And um, so I think, you know, the, the message tonight is we've got to go in, we've got to compete. We've got to, we got to play better than we are and, and um, you know, take pride in, in doing all the little things, that's for sure. Butler fans and fans around Indianapolis are still getting to know Manny Bates, coach, center, transfer from North Carolina State. He lets his game do the talking. Please give a glimpse into what this young man's been like behind the scenes. We have a ton of talent at the center position in the state with Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis, I would argue Peyton Sparks up in Muncie for Coach Mike Lewis. Manny Bates is very much in that conversation as well, coach, and I want folks to know that. Yeah, no doubt. I, and thank goodness we got Manny. Um, <laughs> I, I think that was, you know, one of the things uh, in, in taking this job. And we knew we had a lot of work to do. And, and uh, we needed something or we needed a guy that could, could sort of anchor us down down low. And, and I think Manny's done a great job with that. Um, you know, it's, we're in tonight's, I think, our fifth game in 12 days. And, uh, wow. you know, he's, he's taking a beating every night. And, and uh, you know, I give him credit. He's, he's, he's a tough kid. And, you know, we, we've really seen him grow. And, and tonight, you know, he's got a heck of a matchup again. And, um, you know, we, we need him to, to, to play well. We need to get him the basketball. And, you know, probably the biggest thing, you know, for, for the Butler fans out there, I mean, man, he's one of the greatest kids I've ever coached. <laughs> yeah. Just love being around him and, and just a, a tremendous young man. And, you know, one of those guys you want him to play well. Yeah. yeah, Coach A. Marlon Jackson here, former Michigan Wolverine, like your, yourself, <laughs> a former Buckeye, uh, now back at your back at Butler University, and just wondering what's been the experience so far, um, and how does it compare to being at Ohio State and rebuilding a program there, and then coming back home and trying to do the same and reestablishing um, Butler basketball. 
Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, uh, ironically, you remember this name. I talked to Jim Truffle yesterday, and, hmm. um, you know, we were just talking about, you know, and he said, hey, when I went to Youngstown State, when I went to Ohio State, it takes time to, to build something. And, and, and I think, you know, hey, we, we all want this to go faster. And, and I'll be honest with you, Marlon, what, what I want is for our guys to play the best basketball. And, hey, I'll let the chips fall where they may. And, and um, I think that's the, the biggest thing. You know, when we went to Ohio State, uh, in '04, I mean that that program was at rock bottom. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were we were we were banned from postseason play. We were docked scholarships, all that stuff, and uh, and it, it took us some time. But uh, uh, by the same token, uh, as, as I said, I just want these guys. You know, we, we've shown we can play some really really good basketball. Um, we got to be more consistent. And 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 we've got to we got to stay the course through the rocky times. That's that's kind of the hard part there, no doubt about that. Thad Mata joining us on the Mower Shop from Fisher's Hotline. Charlie Clifford, Marlon Jackson in studio. Coach Mata, when you scan the Big East and the coaches that are currently lined up in this conference, have you ever seen anything like it in terms of the star power on the sideline? Coaches with resumes who have been there and have done it the highest level. It just seems remarkable. Every night you turn on Big East basketball, household names coaching these teams. Well, there's there's no question about that. And, and you know, it's a, I don't know, what are we, six, seven games into it? I've right. been uh, very, very impressed with you know, not only the coaching, I knew that, but just the talent in this league. And, and um, you know, there are, are some unbelievable basketball players in, in this league. And, and uh you know, I, I I knew from afar that that this was a a very competitive league, <laughs> but um, you know it is it is night in night out. You're going against uh, uh, you know big time talent, big time coaching, and and uh, but that's that's what makes it fun. That's what you sign up for. And and um, you know, like I said, we just we we got to play better ourselves, and um, and hopefully we'll make. Coach, you were a little short to start the season. A lot of those non-conference games, a rotation of around seven players. You made a lineup change. Jaden Taylor, a star who we watched locally here at Perry Meridian High School, a new role for Taylor. What was behind that decision, and what results have you gotten so far? Because reading the box scores, it it seems fairly obvious. Is This is a move that's worked. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I think when, when we made the change, I, I, I think it was the Providence game, mm-hmm. we, we went with size in, in the starting lineup. And, and, and I think Jalen has been tremendous coming off the bench. And, and you know, I, th- I think I've had two or three first-round draft picks that didn't start for us. Uh, so it's not about <laughs> starting a game; it's it's about how you finish the game. And yeah. and um, you know, I, I think it, as as long as he can come in and continue to give us the the intensity we need, and and you know, I think everybody looks at the box score and says, "Well, he scored," but but James been a lot better defensively than he, than he was a month ago, and, and and that's something that that we need from that position. And and uh, you know, he he's going to play his minutes, and and you know, I, I think that. Uh, if, if I can get uh, you know the more energy coming off the bench, and that's one of the biggest things we've talked about with this group is, you know, no matter if you're coming out of the game, going back in the game, or going in for the first time, we we need energy coming in the basketball game, right? And uh, I think that's something that that hopefully will will be better tonight than we were the other night with that. Coach Mata, we have Marlon Jackson in studio, the man with the singular most important play in Colts history the interception of Tom Brady in the 06 AFC title game so we need to ask defense Eric Hunter Jr. 
top defender in the Big Ten last year at Purdue. He comes home, the Tinley High School graduate, now running your point guard spot, had his career-best scoring night earlier this week back at Hinkle. Eric Hunter Jr., Coach, what I love the most, when there's a little scuffle, when there's a little physicality after the whistle, the smallest guy on the floor is the first bulldog in there to mix it up. Your thoughts on coaching him this season? You know, I, I really, really enjoyed coaching Eric. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know he's one of those guys that um, came to Butler with something to prove. And, and um, I, I think just you know from, from the standpoint of his competitiveness, as you talked about his, his defense, you know he's been he's been really really good for us, and um, you know I, I, I'm hoping that uh, you know he can continue to score the ball. But probably the most important thing I want Eric to do is 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 continue to get command of our team out there on the floor. And okay. you know tonight's tonight's going to be a very as, as I said chaotic. You, you you have to play basketball against these guys, and um, you know I'm, I'm hoping I've talked a lot to Eric about it. Of, you know, just making sure the other four guys know exactly what we're doing. and, and uh, But that's, that's the type of key that that's what he wants to do. St. John's tonight. Butler traveling to see the Johnnies. 6.30 tip, Fox Sports 1. Friday night hoops at Hinkle. Villanova's in. Marlon Jackson, I know you don't want to be the opposing point guard walking the ball up in that environment, yeah, correct? That'll be a tough, be, tough, be a little, hostile environment. Be a little tough to call out the plays there at Hinkle. Coach, your thoughts on getting back with a marquee home game in what is one of the toughest venues in the conference to play. What would be a message to Dogs fans coming out later this week? Well, I, you know, hopefully it's, it's going to be a, obviously a, a, another big, big East battle for us. And, and um, you know, that's going to conclude six games in 16 days. And, and you know, we've wow. been on the road here for the last four days, I think it is, and, and uh, uh, five days or six we stayed out here. But uh, you know, I, I know our guys will be looking forward to get home. Now, obviously, we've got business to tend to before that. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's, 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 there's, there's no greater place to play than Hinkle Fieldhouse. There's no greater place to see a game than Hinkle. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll do our part tonight and, and have the juice for Friday night. Coach Mata, get them going tonight. We appreciate you taking the time on a game day. Best of luck out east, and we'll see you Friday night, all right? All right, guys. Appreciate your time. Thank you. That is Thad Mata, head coach of the Butler Bulldogs. Butler. Currently two and four in Biggies play ten and seven on the year. A nice chance for a road win in conference tonight against St. John's. Marlon Jackson, we're gonna pivot right back to the Chris Ballard conversation. Chris Ballard was asked about Jeff Saturday. What did he like? What didn't he like? Here was a short assessment of the interim work for Jeff Saturday. Again, one in seven as the interim head coach, and now will be a candidate who will go through the interview process this week. I stayed positive. He kept working, held the team accountable, wasn't afraid to hold players accountable. He saw mistakes to call them out. Sure, he's got things he's got to grow. We all do. Um, but I'm not going to judge him off that. One number that Jeff Saturday will not be able to escape minus 87 in the point differential over those eight games. That number alone would have been the fourth worst mark in the National Football League this year, Marlon Jackson. How much of a chance will Jeff Saturday have in this process, Marlon Jackson, in your thoughts? Is this this realistic or is this a thank you for stepping in and trying to handle 
this storm that was the final eight weeks of the Colts' 2022 season? No, no I, I say it's extremely realistic, you know, um, given the fact that it's not just Chris Ballard. I mean, and Chris said this himself. Like, Chris and his team, they're going to do a lot of the legwork, right, and doing the research, um, going through all the candidates, and, and presenting all of that information to Mr. Ursay, right? And, and ultimately, that's where the ball stops, is at Mr. Ursay's feet and the decision that he ultimately wants to make. And from the beginning, you know, he was the one who brought Jeff to the forefront. Correct. Right? In an interim Brought him fashion. out of the blue. Brought him out of the, out of the blue. So with, with that, the affinity that he has for Jeff, Jeff Saturday, Mr. Ursay, um, you know, there's a immense amount of respect, of gratitude, um, and there's a strong relationship there. And and given that, in Jeff's history as a player, as a leader, not just, you know, on the football field, but with the NFL PA, um, as a consultant with the Indianapolis Colts, yes, he's a viable candidate. You're right. He he it is legit. We'll, we'll say that he is going to get an equal opportunity to present his case around the vision that he has for this organization and team. And um, not sure how much weight, you know, the seven games that he had that will hold. Um, but we, we've heard Chris, we heard Chris in that press conference say that it was a difficult situation for anybody to be within. Yeah, right? had that been an assistant coach who was already on board or someone coming... Of- Right. Jeff Saturday, somebody on staff. This was a difficult circumstance for anybody to come into. You have the worst offense in football. Change the habits of that offensive line of the quarterbacks and to try to repair the psyche of the, the guys on the roster. He wasn't a miracle worker, but you can say that there was improved offensive line play. What is the specialty of Jeff Saturday? Offensive line play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, given the opportunity that he has a full offseason, um, that he has all the resources at his, at his disposal, and that with Chris he's able to create a plan, I believe that Jeff Saturday could be successful. And But does that mean that he should be the guy that gets the, the job? It's the million-dollar question. We don't know. I think many of you have a certain opinion about that. Up next on The Fan, what is the latest between... Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard. Ballard opening the door on that conversation. Plus, what is important to Chris Ballard as he begins the interview process with coordinators around the league and potentially a dark horse in this conversation for the head coaching search in Indianapolis. That story's next. Plus, we're going to head to the phone lines. We need your take on Chris Ballard's press conference this afternoon. We're opening up the phone lines right now, 239-1070. We're going to you after the break. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Even the even when they're pissed and they boo and the criticism, and that means they care. It means they're invested. They care. Like, I would rather have that than apathetic people that didn't care. Like, I handle that well. Like, I'm still going to show up. And I'm still going to show up in public. And when they make a comment to me, it's okay. I handle it well. I get a million. I get emails, calls. You have no idea. And I do everything I can to return all of them. 
they deserve that. Our our fans deserve better. Sounds like life on the fan hotline here. 93.5107.5. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV. Colts Super Bowl 41 champ Marlon Jackson in studio up until 3 o'clock. We need your take on the Chris Ballard presser. 317-239-1070. We are ready to go to the phones. The lines are open. What did you like? What didn't you like from what you heard from Colts general manager Chris Ballard this afternoon? We're going to give you updates every 20 minutes, major takeaways from what he shared. First and foremost, yes, Jeff Saturday is a candidate for this head coaching opening. Saturday is going to go through the full interview process. He's going to have a chance to lay out his vision, a vision that Ballard admitted was not tangible with just eight weeks remaining on the schedule, nine weeks if you include the bye. He said he thought the offensive line improved under Saturday. There wasn't much else to be said when asked, where did you believe Saturday improved? No comment on Jim Harbaugh being a potential candidate. Ballard neglected to go Anywhere on potential candidates, you've seen four coordinators from across the NFL be mentioned that they've been requested to be interviewed here in Indianapolis. More on that story in a moment. Yes, Ballard is open to trading up for the number one overall pick, a deal that would include the Chicago Bears. He wants a quarterback that would be the option, the winning quarterback. He simply put it, Look, anyone we take, you're going to make the savior of Indianapolis. We need to make sure we're right on that decision. That's right. Got to be right. Got to be right. Couple personnel decisions. Jonathan Taylor, hopefully no surgery coming in the next couple of weeks for Jonathan Taylor's ankle. It appears it's trending in that direction. Ballard likes Bernard Ryman as left tackle. But Marlon Jackson, a message from the top to the locker room today when asked about changes for next season. Yes, personnel changes oh, yeah. are coming. To me, this sounded different than this past year. You heard that song coming back one more time. It felt very similar, the rhetoric used last year. In terms of what we heard this afternoon, the one difference I heard, I think one, if not multiple pro bowlers, will be moved off this roster this offseason. Your thought on potential changes coming on the roster? Oh Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, can, I can see that um, occurring. Just with the nature of how the season unfolded, the position that you find yourself in with the NFL draft, sitting at the number four pick, um, and then we'll say the the capital that you have on your roster that gives you the ability to navigate the draft and make moves. It's not right? a traditional tanking team where you have maybe one player with a Pro Bowl resume who has good tape. You have a lot of desirable (laughs) desirable athletes that play winning football with high character and high talent. Um, You know, and and that speaks volumes to some of the the good that Chris Ballard has done, right? To be able to identify some talent, to have bringing a great, a nice defensive coordinator to get the results defensively. Um, but now with the shortcomings of the offense, particularly the quarterback situation, you understand that it's going to be, at least I'll say, hopefully you understand. And I heard this word from Chris Ballard today that it's a, 
process, right? You know, anything that is successful doesn't happen overnight. It's usually a process. And to be successful with any process, it takes time. And Marlon, that's the beginning of a change in rhetoric from the top. This offseason, this summer, we heard the time is now, the division yeah, is exactly, ours, the quarterback exactly, has changed exactly. everything. Chris Ballard wrapped things up with, we did not manage expectations Patience. well at exactly. all. AKA, exactly. Mr. Ursay, please do not go out and say this quarterback, this kid is going to make dreams come true overnight because we all know Colts fans, you need to be real. This is now a two to three year process. Look at how long it took Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Granted, he was set back by the hiring of Urban Meyer. Three seasons for Trevor Lawrence to get a team above 500. I think the Colts may be in a better chance situation than the Jags were at the beginning, but you need to be a realist. We got to go to the phone lines right now, Marlon. Matt's on line one. Matt, you watched and listened to Chris Ballard's press conference. What's your hot take on Ballard's message this afternoon? Man, it's just more of the same spin. I mean, they're already prepping us for how bad we're going to be, and it's not, you know, they still think Ryan can play. Anybody who says that, knows nothing about football. That guy's washed up. He's done. <laughs> Ouch. I, I don't get, I don't get, you know, they've told us forever that, you know, generational guard. So Ballard is now admitting they didn't know that luck would ever throw the ball again. And he took a, a guard. You know, he had the number three pick. He traded down for a guard mm-hmm. when they didn't, when they didn't think luck could throw the ball. So I mean, you don't is, think that pick inept. was... And to be clear on that story, look, that would have transpired ahead of that draft pick, but you're right. They knew in the back of their minds, anyone close to Andrew Luck had to know, hey, you got to hope for the best and plan for the worst. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. But I can see the positivity on their side of hoping that he will pull through it. And I I can't, I can't argue with trading the Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson is a beast. Like he's a dog. He, he's, he's. Why why do we, why do we keep saying that for a guy who can't pass block, who can't pick up a stunt? Why do we? That's that's the truth of the matter. That that is he he is he is a he he was still a Pro Bowl player that because he had some bad plays players have bad plays that's the reality whatever it is that you may do or or that we do we don't always make the plays we all make mistakes now we there there are high expectations with that draft position and with being known as a pro bowler so just naturally you know we do have higher expectations but he still was voted to the pro bowl and he still played well he just wasn't as consistent as he has been in the past so i i can't knock ballard for that move to go and get him he is a, a generational talent player at guard and that is rare that we say that but it can also be the truth even though, even if we don't like the circumstance, and and it, and again, we're we're not going to agree with everything that's said, and that's okay, right? You know, we can agree to, to disagree, but let's uh, say he's the greatest guard that's ever played. We had the number three pick. I don't care if he's, I don't care if he's the greatest guard ever that plays. You don't take a guard when your quarterback can't throw the ball down the field. I mean, that is that is ineptitude, Matt. There are a ton of Colts fans who are going to agree with that. You can't reverse time five years. Now you have the decision. Do you do the opposite of what you did with the Jets that year? Are you making the leap to number one? Are you signing off, Matt, 
on green lighting a trade for the number one Are pick. Are you giving up hey, the Forrest Buckner? We, we got to bounce. We got to bounce. I appreciate your call. And I appreciate your thoughts. Marlon Jackson, Charlie Clifford, we're back at the top of the hour. The top takeaways from Chris Ballard's press conference. We need your thoughts. Plus, Chris Denary joining us. Pacers, Knicks tomorrow night. Big one at the Garden. We're back after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Look, I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Failed a lot of people. Highly disappointed, you know, about where we're at, how the season went. You know, I never take lightly what's at stake here. It's not, you know, the wins and losses, but, you know, people's lives are on the line. Players, families, coaches, families, front office, people in this building. And I don't ever take that lightly. You know, I'm disappointed. Um, this point where we're at, and ultimately, it falls on my shoulders. You can say a lot of things about Colts general manager Chris Ballard, who now embarks on a seventh season in Indianapolis, a third head coach under his watch, but Marlon Jackson, you can't call Chris Ballard a liar. Authentic, authentic. And I, that's Cannot been, call him that, a liar. That, and that's how, that's how I know per, like Chris Ballard as that, right? From the time that he came here as a, as a GM, as a former player, he's been a straight shooter, straightforward, and you, you can't do anything but respect that when a, when a guy, especially this is, this is a very uncomfortable situation, right? You feel not his first rodeo, not his first, but, but you, but any, anytime you have failure and to be willing to step forward and own it. Right. And I don't, I don't know if he's owned it like this, you know, in previous times, but there was full ownership, you know, and transparency as to why, in my, in my opinion, um, around the reasonings for the lack of success and, and admitting where, where they may have gone wrong, looking back historically over the last six years. You know, I think that so often in society, we see often when people are confronted with these difficult circumstances, we see people uncomfortable. We see people Correct. evading and dodging yep. and we didn't yep. see, we didn't see any of that. Like he, he was shooting the straight and the, and there were, there were great questions that are be, were being being posed by, by the media. We're going to get to our takeaways from Chris Ballard's press conference. With all due respect, though, there is a winning team in this city. Yes. And they deserve the airtime. And that's where we begin right now with the voice of the Pacers, Chris Denary, newly anointed Indiana Sportscaster of the Year. CD, congratulations on just another impressive honor and what's been one of – one of the better stories on the broadcasting side of things in this city over the past 20 years. Congrats, Chris. I appreciate it, Charlie and uh, Marlon. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite an honor. Uh, there have been so many great winners, and I'm just uh, very proud uh, to add my name uh, to that list. Uh, you know, when I started this, and, and it's still to that. I, I don't do what I do for honors. I do it because I love it. We know that. Uh, I, grew up the, I, drew, I grew up the son of a coach. And so, uh, you know, I was back there. I was back there in Marlon Jackson's days. I was the host of the Colts uh, post-game radio show. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I've done a lot. I've done a lot in the city. Uh, you know, high school sports, Butler, Fever, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, you know, for me to be the 17-year voice of the Indiana Pacers on TV, uh, sometimes you got to pinch yourself. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, 
you know, looking forward to what's ahead. Uh, you know, halfway through the season, Pacers 23 and 18. It's incredible. Top six in the East. And a uh, big one, as you said, tomorrow night in New York against the Knicks. Chris Denary, year 17, you're being rewarded with one of the most unselfish clubs in the NBA, laden with young talent that is giving the thumbs up and green light to Rick Carlisle really to play any role. Your thoughts, first and foremost, Tyrese Halliburton's past eight games. What has Tyrese Halliburton told the rest of the NBA over the past two weeks, Chris? Well, I think he showed everybody he's he he should be an all-star. I mean, the guy averages 20 plus 20 points and double-figure assists and, you know, orchestrates the offense and I think Marlon used a great word when he was talking about Chris Ballard. It's the same word that Rick Carlisle has used about Tyrese Halliburton, and that's being authentic. Hmm. And that's exactly what Tyrese is with his teammates. I think you can see it with the fans. He just plays with a tremendous amount of joy. Yes. And this is a group, this is a group as you guys have seen, they don't really care who scores. <laughs> they don't care who gets the accolades. They just want to win. And you can see it from the 15th guy on the bench uh, all the way you know, to the starting lineup. So uh, Tyrese, for this franchise, is a changer, and a changer in a positive way. And somebody that I look at him, he's a little bit like the Pied Piper. Everybody <laughs> just follows along. Yeah. And I'm not going to say he is Reggie Miller because we know what Reggie did in his 18 years. Right. Did we lose Chris? We lost Chris Chris? momentarily. We're going to get Chris Denary back on the mower shop from Fisher's hotline here momentarily. Again, the guest line brought to you by the mower shop and Fisher's mowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Chris Denary, thank you. We have you back again. Continue. You were saying Tyrese Halliburton, the Pied Piper. He is leading by example here in Indy. Yeah, I lost you. I was in the dead zone at 465 on the oh. where, where it becomes 865. I'm on my way to the airport. We have a 2 o'clock flight uh, to uh, Newark and then into New York City. But, Lovely. Yeah, he's the pipe, he's the pipe piper. Um, he plays with a bravado. He plays with joy. Um, you know, you can see the emotion that he wears on his face. And it reminds me a lot about Reggie Miller. You know, Reggie for 18 years led the Pacers. And I don't want to compare Tyrese to Reggie, but what I see in the way he acts on the floor, in the in just the animation that he plays with that gets the fans fired up, uh, you can see a little bit of similarities. And, you know, I think we all hope that, you know, Tyrese can have, you know, if he could approach the type of career that Reggie had, in a Pacers uniform, we'd all feel really good. Cheers to that. Yeah, yeah. And Chris, as, as I sit here and listen to you, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, understanding success, understanding failure, and then from your vantage point, what are you seeing as those underlying factors that are leading to success? Were you, were you seeing the Pacers not be so successful? And then you see the turnover, the, the turnover in the roster, yeah. new guys come in, and now what is it you're seeing behind the scenes that is leading to the success in the light. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, basketball, like any other sport, is sort of a possession-by-possession possession game, and that's the one thing that Rick Carlisle preaches is that, look, each possession you, you've got to, you know, take care of the basketball on one end or play defense on the other, and you're not going to be perfect, right? I mean, there are well over 100 possessions in a game, and, and you're going to make mistakes. And I think what this group has done is they've been able – 
to not let bad possessions affect them. Case in point, they are right now the worst team in the first quarter as far as offensive scoring Mm -hmm. and margin. But they've also won 13 or 14 games when they've trailed (laughs) after the first quarter. So it's a group that they don't let things get them down. They always feel like they have a chance. And that's why the other night, I mean, it was their 11th win when trailing by 10 or more points. That's number one in the NBA. Uh, They have 16 clutch wins, which clutch means plus or minus five in the final five minutes of a game. 16 is the best in the NBA. They won 11 of those games last year in 82 games. Wow. They've won 16 of those this year in 41 games. So I think it's a mindset that uh, the coaching staff has, uh, you know, worked on with the players. And so, Marlon, I think that's the biggest reason. They don't allow themselves to get down if things are going poorly. Look, Chris, Rick Carlisle said earlier this week, no panic in this team. It's a group of believers. When you piece Miles Turner into this group, he's playing the best basketball he's ever played. Carlisle went on to say he's in his prime. There's no question about that. Outside of the pairing with Tyrese Halliburton and the clear benefits that's provided Miles Turner on the offensive end of the floor, what is he bringing this team from a leadership standpoint behind the scenes? No one on this roster has had to take the bumps and the bruises like this big man. Some of them have been very warranted. Probably some others have been low blows. Your thoughts on his part of this story that's now a 23-win team midway through the season when they were picked to win 24 games the entire year preseason? Well, he's definitely in his eight years experienced highs and lows of this franchise. The highs being, you know, uh, they were the fourth seed a few years ago, uh, playing in the playoffs. And, of course, then he experienced the lows last year, one of the poorest records in franchise history, and he missed half the season with a foot injury. But I I think, you know, he's playing with a lot of joy. Uh, the, The middle is open for him. He is now the post player inside. He doesn't have to share that with DeMontis Sabonis. I was looking at his numbers. He's averaging more touches and more field goals in the paint than he ever has in his entire NBA career. And I think a lot of that is because Tyrese Halliburton is a willing passer. He's a pass-first point guard. And he, you know, here's what Tyrese does throughout the game, and you can see it. He understands when he needs to get certain players involved. Sure. Especially if you're a Miles Turner and you're doing your work on the defensive end. You're rebounding, you're blocking Feed the big fella. Feed him. Right. Yeah. You've got to take care of that guy. And so I I think that's just been a a wonderful one-two punch with Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner, especially in the lane. So it's great, Chris, and here you talk about Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner, but but a guy that you know I, I from afar, and you talk <laughs> about mindset and the killer instinct, Benedict Mathrone. Yeah. Looking at him, can you tell talk to us a little bit more about him? What you see from him behind the scenes, and to speak to the impact that he's had on this team from the psychological standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's fun to see him occasionally crack a smile because he's very, very serious. <laughs> Matherin and smiled was, this year, Chris? When, when no, did that happen? The other night. He, uh, <laughs> he smiled Friday night in the Portland game. Okay, um, one tally's but, on the board. But, but the one thing that he does, he is committed to being the best that he can be. 
when you're on the bus with him uh, after a game, he's on his phone watching highlights. I mean, he's, he's watching things that he did well or things that he did wrong. And I anticipate tomorrow night in New York City him to have a bounce-back game because mm-hmm. he had the poorest scoring game of his career um, on Sunday against Charlotte. And that was after, if you go back a couple weeks, his two previous poorest scoring games were in wins against Boston and Miami, and then he came back in the next seven and averaged 19 points per game. Wow. So it's a guy that has always seemed, yeah, he's always seemed to bounce back after, you know, having a negative performance, and he's not had many. I mean, when you're a rookie in this league, it's very hard to do what he does. (laughs) And he's averaging about 18 points. He's the leading bench scorer in the NBA. It's not close. Uh, so this is a guy. Yeah, this this is a guy that is tremendously talented, and uh, boy, I mean, you just cannot imagine what his ceiling is going to be to see what he's done here at 20 years old as a rookie. Chris Denary's on the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline MowerShop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Chris, I want to get you out of here on this one because I know you got to hop on a flight to head to the Garden tomorrow night. The last time in the regular season where you felt this amount of juice around a Pacers-Knicks game was when? I guess you'd have to – I guess in the regular season it's been some time. I mean, when you go to the Garden, no matter what the Knicks record is, I mean, it is a special place. I mean, what, there's 7 or 8 million people that live in New York. Is that round two? Drop off again. Uh, um, There we go. There we go. You know, I mean, Marlon knows that from, you know, know, playing against the Giants or the Jets. I mean, it's just a, a different animal. Yeah. But it's been a while. I mean, I go back and I think back, what was it, 2013, when the Pacers and the Knicks played in the playoffs, and Roy Hibbert, Hibbert on had that unbelievable, <laughs> yeah, had that unbelievable block in Game Six on Carmelo Anthony for the Pacers to win and go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, there have been some very good Pacers performances over the years at Madison Square Garden, but uh, tomorrow night you've got two teams that are basically sixth and seventh in the East, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Tell Wally Zerbiak we say hi. All right. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> volleyball, volleyball made a tragic mistake. You know, sometimes I always say you shouldn't say what you're thinking because what you're saying could get you in trouble. That's right. And it clearly got him in trouble nationally. Kristen Neri, when that Oregon heats up tomorrow night at the Garden, we'll not only sit back and enjoy what's been the most out-of-the-blue Pacers season in a long time around here, but a toast to you as well as the Indiana Sportscaster of the Year. Year 17, you deserve this, and we're thrilled that you're documenting what is one of the most exciting up-and-coming teams in the NBA. Cheers to you, and have a great trip out east, all right? All right, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Charlie. Thanks a lot, Marlon. That's Chris Denary, voice of the Pacers, Pacers, Knicks, tomorrow night. Marlon, I want, if I'm Rick Carlisle, and he'll probably have something up his sleeve where he won't have to do this, but I'm putting Mark Jackson on speakerphone. I'm putting the Davis, either Anthony, Antonio, or Dale on the phone. Get me Jalen Rose on line, too. Get that juice flowing. I want a little something extra, knowing that, hey, we're going to go out here and we're going to show yep. this rivalry's back on 
And guess what? The Pacers, the Knicks may fade down the stretch. Maybe Tom Thibodeau isn't the right man. Rick Carlisle and this team, the right pieces that's are right. wearing jerseys tomorrow Madison night. Madison Square Garden, that's one of the, one of those you know stadiums, one of those arenas that's historical. So, like, guys, I'm sure that's one in the NBA. That's one they circle on the calendar mm-hmm. for the opportunity to go to the Garden and ball out. Like, that's that's it in the NBA. When you hear guys, and, and it's just, I think it's just natural over the history of the NBA, you hear of – tremendous performances that occur at Madison Square Garden from Kobe Bryant to LeBron James. Like, the big names, the big-time players on a big-time stage, Madison Square Garden is that, and guys usually show up and show out in those opportunities. Buckle up, everybody. Pacers 23-18, and 15-7 at home, coming off the 116-111 win over Charlotte on Sunday night. And now it's time to match up again with the New York Knicks. Charlie Clifford, Marlon Jackson, 93-5-1075. When we return, we will reopen the phone lines. Chris Ballard's press conference. What did you like? What flat out bothered you with Chris Ballard's, what a message that sounds very familiar around here. That came again this afternoon. Plus, future for Matt Ryan, chances Jeff Saturday actually has it landing this job. That conversation is next on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Failed a lot of people, highly disappointed, you know, about where we're at, how the season went. You know, I never take lightly what's at stake here. It's not, you know, the wins and losses, but, you know, people's lives are on the line. Players' families, coaches' families, front office, people in this building, and I don't ever take that lightly. You know, I'm disappointed, Um, disappointed where we're at, and ultimately it falls on my shoulders. This is the fan, Charlie Clifford, Wish TV, Marlon Jackson in studio with you this afternoon. Uh, people are wondering, Marlon Jackson, why Chris Ballard still has a job. The number one pro in the Ballard column is when he speaks, these rational thoughts actually make Makes sense. sense. <laughs> and at some There's point, some you need to take that into account of why he continues to continue on here in Indianapolis, as you said logic behind statements that of why things went wrong and I think a lot of people after hearing Jeff Saturday yesterday there wasn't a lot of we didn't get it done it wasn't good enough there was a lot more of well I didn't really have the circumstances I wanted well we didn't have enough time yeah. well yeah. well you won one game and It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Jeff Saturday will be a candidate. Chris Ballard will lead this coaching search. There is a plan to look at college candidates as well. So the door technically open for Jim Harbaugh there, but no reports as of 1.30 Wednesday, or excuse me, Tuesday afternoon that, that Jim Harbaugh has already lined up an interview with the Colts. Oh, yeah. This is why Chris Ballard believes the season went wrong. That was one of the first questions he faced this afternoon, and Chris Ballard attempted to explain why. When you're changing quarterbacks every year, it's tough. It's tough on everybody. It's tough on you know the team. 
and you know not getting that position settled you know has a little something to do with it and that's no indictment on any of the quarterbacks we have I mean let me talk about Matt Ryan I mean it's not an indictment on Matt Ryan Matt Ryan is as professional a guy player that I've ever been around and I still think he's got you know something left to you know something left to pre, you know in his body to play smart knows how to play the game um, you know looking back early in the season we you know we had some changes to the offensive line and that's where our struggles occurred early and you know we just never really recovered from them um, and it took us some while to get some continuity I probably underestimated that I thought we've been so good up front you know for the last few years I thought with you know the three really good players we had coming back in Braden, Ryan Kelly and and Quentin that we would absorb those other positions and they would come up to speed right away and it just didn't occur that way and you know that's that's a mistake now I will say mid-season I did think the line played better I thought they played better down the stretch I know They've taken a lot of criticism, but down the stretch, they that wasn't the reason we were losing. Marlon Jackson, <laughs> both of you looked at we looked at each other with that attempted answer on Ex- Matt Ryan. Ex- that's, that's something coming like everybody got to listen to. Like he's he, he tried to find something good, tried to say things that weren't going to be damaging, right? Because because he's still on the roster, he's still under contract. In my opinion, you still want to maintain the perception of who he is and the value that he has. Eighteen so. million dollar answer right there. <laughs> but but behavior, what you do, sometimes how you try to answer, the fact that you're trying to answer and the words just don't come to you. If you just look at it, that's it. That says a lot without saying a lot, right? Yes. When you have to search for those words to explain. The positives related to an individual, that means that they're limited. <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly. And he, there was another long pause this afternoon, Marlon Jackson. Charlie Clifford with you alongside the former Colts Super Bowl 41 champ. When Chris Ballard was asked about internally, have you struggled with your future here? Whether have you wavered at all? Whether this is the job you still want? And there was a long pause before the start of that answer before he cleaned it up. Eddie Garrison just chopped that up. You heard that coming out of this past break. What else did we learn today, Marlon Jackson, about players on this roster? We can go on and on. Who's the head coach going to be? Who's going to give that rah-rah speech in April to fire up this team at OTAs to really turn the page? At the end of the day, Chris Ballard owned up to the fact that he thought the talent on this team was much better than it turned out yep. to be. What other players did he mention? We know he started with Bernard Ryman at left tackle. Sounds like he's confident that that's the yep, answer that, going that's a, that's forward. A, it was a positive with him. I, I can't. I mean, I'm trying to think negatively. I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember or recall him speaking in a critical way about really any any players, right? I mean, he, Does there that was some broad, there's some broad... Well, I, I think that's just in terms of a leadership and management. Like, you you try to avoid singling out individuals, right, in the public in a public forum, right? But you go behind closed doors, those are totally different conversations. That's just telling you from a player's standpoint. It's mm-hmm. very blunt, 
Everything is very straightforward and you're hold to a high standard of accountability. So if you F up, if you mess up, you're going to hear about it and you're going to hear about it quickly and it's not going to be nice. Right. <laughs> you know, but again, this is just society like, you know, we, we want to try to soften the blow for the rest of society and what we actually put out there in the light. But behind closed doors, it's a lot. It's a lot different. But I think he spoke more generally. And broadly, when he was just talking about overall the roster itself not being exactly where he envisioned it being. But I I can talk about that from a personal perspective. Yes. When I look and where I still may see some get some some gaps, right? And for for me, you know, obviously is the the offensive line a lot of issues, some issues there. That unit um, will change. That that unit there will, will change. be a move. Even you you just think on about. That line the regression of some players and why, right? That's something sometimes we, we, we see something, we don't always ask why. Well, why didn't, why wasn't Quinton as consistent? Um, why were there a lot of issues between the communication up front between a center and the quarterback, right? And then you just think about wh- where's the psyche of those individuals, right? You know, we don't, we haven't talked that much about Ryan Kelly, but he, he, in my opinion, didn't play up to the standards, not being overly critical. Mm-hmm. I think if you sat down with him himself, he did not perform up to the standard in which he normally performs. No. But he's someone that also, you could say, was has been affected probably the most by the rotating chair <laughs> at quarterback. Like, that's who he spends the most time with is that quarterback. And he has to have a rapport with that individual and they have to be on the same page. And when you have a different guy behind you under center taking snaps from you right year in and year out, I think that that can do something to your psyche and to your morale as an individual player. And How could like, it not? Right. Because he's a human because he's a human being. And that's what don't forget, people, all these individuals that we're talking about, they're people first. Right. Marlon Jackson, I can guarantee you there are a handful of veterans on this team that when they take inventory of this current situation are probably hoping and are probably sharing with their agents that it would be best for a fresh start because they want to win at the end of end of the day, just like fans the bottom line for players is we we want to win. Like we we want a championship, we want Pro Bowls, we want accolades, right? But then when when you thought that you signed up for something, and then it turns out that it's we're not there yet, it's only natural to have those doubts start to creep in. Again, that is just human nature. That is not anything that is just particular to this group of individuals. That's how people react when they're in these types of circumstances. And Marlon, that is why I need your answers this afternoon on the fan, 93.5-1075. Is this more on Chris Ballard for the strategy of the roster building? A... An admission today that he's been stubborn and dogmatic at times about how he's approached building this team, or is it more on the players on the field simply not playing up to the standard that they are being paid to do? Derek is on the line, line two. Derek, you've hung on with us for over a half hour. I need your take on that question. After listening to Chris Ballard, are you more leaning towards, okay, Maybe this guy's plan wasn't that bad and it was more a fault of the players or B, no, no, no. How did Chris Ballard walk into this season with this plan and think 
it was going to be a contender in the AFC. Where are you at on that? Well, I'm on the other side. I, I, I've been a season ticket holder for going on 12, 15 years now. I can't even remember. It's been so long. But um, after listening to Chris Ballard, all I could do was shrug and roll my eyes. Um, he just he came out and said he failed. We already knew that. But I think he was well coached on how to do this press conference today, uh, given how he uh, his body language was in the last one. But he, he softened the blow. He came out and said he failed. So now nobody can say that. You know, ask him, did you fail? Mm-hmm. But as a but as a season ticket holder, I went to the game on Sunday. Okay. I wasn't going to go. <laughs> I was going to give the tickets away. You better use that but, ticket. But, but, but before you cut me off, it was my son's birthday on on Sunday. He had asked me months ago, "Hey, you know, can I take a couple of my friends to the game?" I said, "Okay, we'll. That'll be your birthday present." Nice. And so we went to the game. Um, two of his friends was the first time ever going to a game. Period. And I apologized because I'm sorry. This was probably the worst game of the year. But just to, just to cut it short, I know Chris Ballard said he was worried about apathy. But I can tell you, um, being a season ticket holder, sitting in the club section all these years, getting to know all the people around me because we're locked in the contracts, we talked. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's just weird sitting around talking to people. They want the Colts. They, we love the Colts. But every time the Colts did something good, scored a touchdown, took the lead, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, crap. We need to lose this game so we can get a, a higher draft pick. <laughs> uh, and honestly, that's everybody in the stands. You know, we know each other. You know, we talk. Um, and the apathy is there. I mean, I can tell you, it was the deadest. I've been – even when um, Peyton was out that year and we lost all those games – it had never been that dead in that stadium before. That was the deadest I'd ever heard it. So apathy has set in. So Chris Ballard, you say he's not worried about apathy, but it's there. Derek, how does Chris Ballard win you back? I yeah. honestly don't think he can. He hmm. Six years is enough, and I can't see him totally changing his – you know, Tiger can't change his stripes. Mm-hmm. I can't see him totally going – and changing the way that he he said it himself, put it on his gravestone. I just can't see him unless Ursay is pulling the strings and tells him, we're going to trade this pick, we're going to go up there, and we're going to get the best quarterback. Um, I can't see him doing it himself. Now, if he did that, if he went up and finally got us a quarterback and maybe changed his stripes and got us a really good receiver or two, mm-hmm. then maybe he can win me back. But to me, it seems like, He's got a new contract. Ursay loves him. He's not going anywhere. So I'm just going to have to get used to it. Derek, appreciate your thoughts here on the fan hotline. Thanks for waiting around. We're going to continue to take calls here. The 1 o'clock hour on the fan. Marlon Jackson, Super Bowl 41 champ. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV. Derek brings up a very interesting point, Marlon Jackson. Chris Ballard, at this point in his tenure, why would he not say, let's trade the farm for the number one pick? and get the fan base electrified. Worst case, they're showing me the door either way. He has been reluctant to move picks in the past. Do you feel like that will change this offseason? Uh, yeah. I mean, just because of the emphasis on the quarterback position. But w- one thing that the caller has said, just in terms of he said it, Tiger changed his stripes and on his grave headstone and that. He, he's, when, he, when he said that, he was speaking about the off, his strategy of offensive line. Correct. He wasn't speaking broadly about overall his strategy and that he would do it again and not address a quarterback 
earlier. Uh, I think everything that he was saying was was letting us know that, yes, that is on the table. We, we are willing to make the moves needed to move up and get the guy that is the right pick for us right so he, he didn't shy away from that and and i understand you know we're, we're talking about apathy right you know but there oh, people, we are people care though you you can say that when you when you're there at the game and you want to lose you just want to lose because you're going to move up to a higher spot in the draft like it's, it's not that you don't care you you lose just in an exciting fashion you please. you you value <laughs> the higher pick more yeah. than the win right 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 now which is yes as a fan base, yes, but as a player on the field, where my resume is what I do, is my effort, is my energy, and my playmaking, I'm not going to be trying to not make plays and, and lose a game, so the apathy is not going to be able to sink in. Um, but, you know, the disgruntled fan base, that's a part of losing, right? And nobody wants to be on the losing end of things, but there is something redemption the ability to navigate and move through adversity that is a low point sometimes in which people can rebound and and go to an all-time high i i know that may sound cliche but i'm somebody that i believe i believe in that mm-hmm. like i believe in the struggle and adversity even if you come to a point where the struggle was a part of your own doing right but the decisions that you made Fair. but if you can be accountable Right. And you can admit your shortcomings and you can be open minded to a new way of doing things that opens the door to the ability of evolution to occur and, and, and growth to occur. But I, I totally I totally get it. And that's why you Chris know, Ballard still has a job because he's doing those three things. And of course, and he said, Coach, of whether course you hate was, it or not. But of course, he was probably he everybody, even if like you're, you're a GM, you're a head coach, you're the owner. Anybody that's going to be going to like a, an interview situation, if, if you do it internally by yourself, if you do it with your spouse or if you do it with a <laughs> professional, you're going to be talking about the questions. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you, you're going to start to put together and think about your, your responses. But that's called preparation. Right. And the five P's proper preparation prevents poor performance. That was a good performance that we saw. In the in the interview in the press conference in my in my opinion and it was different where the body language right when the decision was made to bring Jeff in you know you didn't hear Chris speak right and and that should say a, a lot noticeable to you difference you, in that, the body that, language that should say today. a lot to you just in yeah. that right this is him coming out and speaking and having first the opportunity to speak where. There wasn't an opportunity to speak before. So, of course, this individual may be internalizing a lot of what they're feeling, but they don't have the microphone in front of them to say what they may want to say. And it was probably best on that night when (laughs) Chef Saturday was announced as the interim head coach that Chris Ballard did not have a microphone for the majority of that press conference. He did address a few things, but as you pointed out, Marlon Jackson, Charlie Clifford alongside Marlon Jackson this afternoon, a noticeable change in demeanor and body language from Chris Ballard today. Certainly on that night with the move that was made earlier that morning to dismiss Frank Reich, Chris Ballard surely was thinking to himself, maybe Frank was the lucky one to get out of here. And certainly now... All paths forward. It's still Chris Ballard's coaching yep. search. And until 
were Plus proven he, wrong potentially again, he'll have a major voice as he should, as the general as, manager spot as, does, as it as it's intended to, <laughs> intended <laughs> yes, to. Yes. But things don't always work as intended, right? So there there are other factors that are a part of the equation, right? And we have to take the totality of that into consideration. But that's hard. You know, that's human beings, we're knee jerk. We we react and we don't we don't necessarily stop and think and try to reason through things. And it's 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 more than just the individual that you see coming out in front of you. And that's the honesty as well. He's, he's saying that, like, you know, his job as a GM, he's going to go out, he's going to lead the drive, lead the search, but all of the data, all of the information that's gathered is ultimately going to be brought back to who? Jim Irsay. And that will not change anytime soon. We're going back to the fan hotline. Ray has his major takeaway from the Chris Ballard press conference. Ray, what did you learn today? Um, well, first, I just want to say something real quick. Um, Marlon's got it. We're going to the Super Bowl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> that, that. That lives in my head, and I can't wait to go down to the stadium and hear that every day. Love it. <laughs> well, not every day. Love it. Every time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it makes me feel a little more confident. Um, I think the um, – the press conference, I, I, I'll be honest, and I, I don't know if I can say this on the airwaves, but I kind of wanted Bowers to be fired at the beginning. Oh, you're but allowed now, to say oh, that. Honesty, honesty. <laughs> Trust me. But, but now I agree with him saying, and um, I think we need to give him another shot uh, as fans and, and, and keep pushing through with him. I, I think this is going to be the year to determine – if he's learned his lesson and if he's going to grow from the mistakes, because we, we have to, we can't hold mistakes against him, but we we have to hold him accountable and he's held himself accountable. So I'd say let, let, let's give him a shot, draft a quarterback and, and, and let's see, let's see. Let, I'm, I'm still optimistic. Oh, no, hope. Right. We appreciate that viewpoint. That's something new. That we haven't heard yet today. I think, Marlon, you've pointed out, okay, why does Chris Ballard still sitting in the general manager seat in Indianapolis? The way he's handled publicly the blame and the fact that he hasn't run from people and the fact that, you know, look, that's one Jim Irsay over. That's why Chris Ballard is still here. Earlier this afternoon, Ballard on maybe where his owner has shot him in the foot, managing expectations, managing the rhetoric around what is realistic with a football team. You bought a product this offseason that was sold to you as a contender. They won four games, one in the division, and this is how Chris Ballard makes sense of those expectations that weren't met. Ultimately, our plan from a roster standpoint wasn't good enough. Okay, That's one. And then I think all the change... Sometimes, like, here's what we didn't do a very good job of. We didn't manage expectations very well at all. Like, we've been so process-oriented, okay? And that's who I am, that's who Frank was, that's who we want to be. We want to be process-oriented. And with a good process, you're going to lead to a good result. Well, every time we keep going and getting these vet court, and this falls on me. This is on me. You'll get a vet court. Well, here's the expectation. We're going to Super Bowl. 
they got a good roster, they're going to the Super Bowl. Well, there was holes in that. Our job's to fix those holes. So he he showed it a lot right there, right? But it, it just sometimes looking and reading into what 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 he is saying in terms of the expectations, right? In terms of from a public perspective, perspective, right? Perception, he wasn't alone in that. Like Mr. Ursay drives a lot of that, right? In terms of a contender, in terms of and winning right Frank now. Frank Reich was on that train as well, right? And he said Frank and I were what process oriented and then some of the behaviors that we saw taking place they didn't seem to be a part of a process they seemed to be more knee-jerk and reactive so if you just look and read between some things you, you see maybe bet- behind the scenes what's what's going the on how are people are being moves. influenced mm-hmm. right and then, and then I also think about you asked something earlier in terms of uh, players that Ballard mentioned and I, I, I remember he talked about Michael Pittman yes as well Right. Let's go and, right and, there right now because Michael Pittman Jr., Marlon Jackson, to me, was the most frustrated player in that locker room Sunday afternoon. He yep. failed. He had 99 catches on the season. He fell just short of 100,000 yards receiving. He took more hits over the middle that made you sh- shriek in, oh gosh, that just looked painful this year. Um, as of right now, there's no way that Michael Pittman Jr. isn't sitting at home thinking, this isn't a great fit. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's thinking thinking that if it's if it's not a great fit from a schematic standpoint. Schematics, yes, like, yes. Hey. We we have to. The system has to improve because even with Carson Wentz, he was able to get the ball, get shots down the field. Like he made he made big plays, right? You know that that disappeared this year. Think of Baltimore. And, you think of down, San Francisco, right? He was going up, going plays. and getting getting the ball. Where that disappeared this year because that part of the playbook pretty much didn't exist because we didn't have enough time to be able to push the ball down the field. So when, when I think about Pittman and, and I, I think Chris brought it up in speaking about, you know, well, is he, is he a number one? Is, it, is he a number two? And Didn't give an answer there. Didn't, didn't give an answer, but when you, when you watch, just from the standpoint of the plays that you got to have and that you got to make and not having critical drops and big moments and making the hard catches. Even this past Sunday, the over the shoulder catch in the left and the left mm-hmm. end zone, early in the game, right? you, uh, you got, you got to make that catch, right? You know, and I, and again, I'm not going to be overly critical. I'm just going to speak real and, and honestly about the performance. Those are plays that Reggie Wayne is going to make. Those are plays that Marvin Harrison was going to make right and and even just saying that somebody's not maybe right right now number one that's not a shot right it, it, it's, it's, it's reality it's, it's not it's not lessening who they are a number two wide receiver in the national football league is a great thing but when you when you have a number two alongside of a number one it strengthens that number two Mm-hmm. It creates more opportunity, but you haven't had that in Indianapolis since the two gentlemen with soon to be both with gold jackets. T.Y. Hilton never had that. And Chris Ballard, in my estimation of all the knee jerk reactions at quarterback, as Jim Ursay referred to it two weeks ago, it's been an odyssey. Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. OK, it's the quarterback spot. You convinced yourself you're close enough to go after it, and you did, and you failed. And you know what? Who are we to say, you know, that was the wrong thing to do at the time? At the time, I think many of us were very excited about the acquisition of Carson Wentz, Phillip yeah, Rivers, yeah. and Matt Ryan. But 
the one area that has made no sense to Colts fans and continues to make no sense, Marlon Jackson, is the wide receiver in tight end room. Two of the most adequate, inadequately equipped rooms in the National Football League. And now, for another season, when you look at those numbers, there is nothing to show for. And and that's where to times where he spoke broadly about Again. reevaluating the roster, and we maybe we, we underestimated what we had. And, and you you hit it for me right there. Like those are two of the positions that I would also throw in there the safety position as well. <laughs> you know what we've seen at the safety position. I'm going to let you talk on and, that and, but, but, in a but, moment here. But in terms of offensively, not going out and getting that true, right? No question about it. Their number one wide receiver, you 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 need to have that, and then, right? I think you you have one of the tight ends on the roster, and I've heard about a younger guy that was injured a little bit this year out of Youngstown State. Yeah, Ogletree that, that has had some a fantastic lot, lot of, training, lot of, lot, of, lot of potential, but Jelani Woods <laughs> is the future, and then it was just so often. You would see him early on be a part of the game plan, and then you would go away from that individual. So you you have some pieces, but you need to add. And I think the tight end room, right, in uh, the wide receiver room, are rooms where they just need enhancements, right? There's there there there's talent there. There they need veteran enhancements, proven players. You tried the draft. You saw what that looks like in year one. If Chris Ballard wants a year eight in Indianapolis, Marlon Jackson, yes, he will get his quarterback inside the first four picks, wherever that falls. He will also need to add veteran proven presences at both of those positions, or it will be the end for him. Yeah. There's no way around yeah. that. Yeah, all, all de- and it, well, all of it all depends on on production and outcomes, right? You know, all, all depending upon the moves that he that he makes. Uh, with the plan that he determines is going to be the strategy that he moves forward on, right? The failure or success of that plan, right, is what's going to be evaluated and ultimately determined if he receives another shot. But the thing is, what, what's the what's the plan, right? What what is the plan going forward? What what are the areas of focus? Because I I don't think it, it would hurt it wouldn't hurt to articulate that to the fan base. Like if you said this is a relationship, right? <laughs> Communicate. Com- no. you, you're married. Communication is key. You're right. And it will be key going forward. We did learn a few items on that subject. What is the plan going forward and what's happened since Sunday night after the loss to the Texans and it conversation between Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard details on that are next on the fan. Plus what has Ballard learned through his first two head coaching searches. We'll give you those details on the other side of this break. I do whatever. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Takes if we If we thought... There's a player that, that we're driven to get that makes the franchise and the team better. That's what we would do. Get down on calling up a Chicago area code and acquiring that number one overall <laughs> pick. Colts fans, it was not ruled out this afternoon. Chris Ballard is still your general manager, and there is still hope that you can control your own destiny 
by making a deal with the Chicago Bears and moving up from four to one. Wish TV's Charlie Clifford, Marlon Jackson, Super Bowl 41 champ Eddie Garrison in charge of brilliantly moving around all of what we learned from Chris Ballard this afternoon, the season ending press conference. Ballard admitted He's the one to blame. These are his mistakes. I think we can all tip the cap from a man-to-man perspective. All right, he owned it, and now what are you going to do to fix it? Marlon Jackson, do you feel most Colts fans are right now willing to mortgage significant amounts of draft capital and proven talent on this roster to move from four to one? At that point, the expectation is, would be Bryce Young would be the quarterback next year in Indianapolis. Yes, I, I, I believe I believe so. Um, I, I think the Indianapolis Colts fan base is willing, right? You know, to essentially barter, <laughs> right? Right? This for that, quid pro quo, <laughs> something for something. Like I think we, I think I think the fan base knows that it is time for a quarterback of the future. Not a quick fix, not a remedy. Not uh, option B, not option C. Needs to be option that, A. Exactly, exactly. A true solution going forward. And, and understanding that, and I'll say the passion that the fan base has, right? There, from my opinion, no, there's no apathy. People care, right? People still care. And, and Thanks foot, to your and, group. And football is king. like, And, and everybody wants a winner. Right. And most importantly, that's Mr. Ursay. He he wants a winner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that is going to drive the direction that the organization goes. But I, and I think that they're I don't, I don't think I know that they're listening. How could you not listen to your fan base? Because your fan base, in terms of the revenue that you generate, they drive that revenue. They drive that revenue generation. Right. So you have to listen to your fan base. And I and I. I believe that they are open and that they understand. It's not even about listening. You just see what it is. And you've seen the track record and the history. And now it's about making the right move. And the right move, in my opinion, is to tighten up, is to get that foundational piece that is the quarterback to build on the future of the Indianapolis Colts. Since the game ended against the Texans, this is what's transpired. A lengthy talk. Sunday night between Jim Ursay and Chris Ballard. At that moment, we knew Ursay was moving forward officially with Ballard as, as general manager. The two are not going to discuss head coaching candidates at this point in time. Ballard is open from a coach from the college ranks or a coach that doesn't have head coaching experience. And he said, I don't care if it takes till mid-February. We need to get this one right. Certainly, Chris Ballard knows this will be his last shot at getting it right. That's where Chris joins us on the fan hotline, 93.5-1075. Chris, you listened to the same press conference we did. What was your top takeaway from what Chris Ballard said this afternoon? Uh, well, I got to first off, can I, can I start off with you, Charlie? Please. I hope you're here for a long time, man, because you've made the 12 o'clock hour very enjoyable and i really liked dan before but appreciate that i i hope you're here for a long time man i don't know what your what your goals are but you do an excellent job as far as ballard goes i don't know i just i think he needs to go down to pennsylvania street and uh see how that him and earth need to see how that operations ran on pennsylvania street because well said i think i think kevin pritchard honestly could go in to the colts organization and be a better GM 
than Chris Ballard <laughs> in a heartbeat. It wouldn't take much. It doesn't. And Kevin Pritchard is – we are lucky to have him. I don't know if we're lucky to have Ballard. But going to the draft, are you impressed with Stetson Bennett? You know what? I've gone on the record saying I've probably seen the same highlights you have. I have not sat down in the film room and I'm ready to give an assessment on who the savior would be in Indianapolis. To me, you're answering that question. Stetson Bennett plays behind the best offensive line in football (laughs) with some of the best weapons. He is significantly undersized. I think he's made of all the right stuff. He's in a Sam Ellinger category for me of, hey, will he get a shot in the league? Sure. But, but that's, he's a great college quarterback. Yeah, there, there's is, there's nothing that says Bryce he's Young your answer. Undersized, though? Say is that again. Bryce Young? Is it Bryce Young undersized? That is true, but the playmaking ability yeah. with his legs and his feet, I just think it's at a Two completely different, different level. Two but different look categories. Look at the team he plays on, too. I You're mean, right. You're right. It's the same argument. You're right. But the talent's not the same. <laughs> the, the talent of the players, they are not the but, same. But right. it's just like any any of your – like, Charlie, for six years, if you screwed up at your job for six years, you wouldn't have a job. If my wife's a teacher, if she's stuck for six years, she wouldn't have a job. Why does he control every fan's money and the team to suck and suck and suck? But I don't get why Colts fans think that we should even be good. We don't have a superstar. You have to have a superstar. We have one guy that's like – a big name, Jonathan Taylor. You can't you can't put Leonard in the mix. Leonard's like a Malcolm Brogdon. He doesn't show up to work. If you don't show up to work, <laughs> so, it doesn't matter. It, and the, <laughs> the bottom line is, if if I'm going to miss work, I got to use sick days. If these guys start have to use sick days and they only get so many, or you don't get a paycheck, I wonder how many would really suit up. Chris, but, I, I understand. Show, no, I appreciate that. I understand where you're coming from. Just to clarify, on the Shaq Leonard injury, this was a potentially career-altering situation that the update we got yesterday is this second surgery went well. So I'm going to leave that one alone. I think Shaq Leonard's proven to most in this town that he is an electrifying player with an unbelievable Hall of Fame-level motor. Exactly. Now, in terms of Chris Ballard, why is he still here? Point blank, if Chris Ballard's fired, Jim Irsay has no one else to blame but himself. And all six years haven't been bad. It hasn't been six no bad bad years. And guess what? There's one more scapegoat still on board. And if this year goes south, if this quarterback decision goes south, you all know what the conversation will be one year ago from today. Marlon Jackson, Super Bowl 41 champ, Charlie Clifford, Eddie Garrison. We're back at the top of the hour. The top five things you need to know from what Chris Ballard said this afternoon. The season's over. It's time to get it right in Indianapolis. And there's a lot of work to do. We'll be back. Look, I failed. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Failed a lot of people. Highly disappointed, you know, about where we're at how the season went. You know, I never take lightly what's at stake here. It's not, you know, the wins and losses, but, you know, people's lives are on the line. Players' families, coaches' families, front office, people in this building, and I don't ever take that lightly. You know, I'm disappointed. Um, Disappointed where we're at, and ultimately, 
it falls on my shoulders. Chris Ballard's attempted to build a team that's built, born to run. Well, guess what, Indianapolis? It's time to throw it again around this city. The last time I checked, that's the reason Indy's on the map. And now the quarterback question, the head coaching question, and the after effects of one of the most frustrating seasons in franchise history is here. Chris Ballard attempted to clean it up this afternoon. Mike Chappell was there. Chap joins us now on 93.5-1075, the fan. Marlon Jackson's here. Charlie Clifford's here. Chap, Jeff Saturday in this head coaching decision appears to be domino number one. What did you learn about the process that's now ahead to try to put a leader in the highest seat in this state, which is the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? Not very much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, honestly, I mean, Jeff's going to be – uh, certainly interviewed, uh, but it, there's not. It's just we, we. He was asked several times about what will you use to evaluate him. What will the one on seven and all that? And Chris really didn't have a lot to, to, to like elaborate on when it came to that. It's it's going to be more the intangible than what Jeff did, you know, behind the scenes and kind of getting his feet on the ground and learning the ropes and. So the problem is, they could have put Tony Dungy <laughs> in there for the last half of the season, and mm-hmm. I now maybe they wouldn't have collapsed like they did. But I mean, what I'm saying is, it wouldn't it wouldn't have done a lot. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll start with the process. They've already, you know, we've seen the reports. They've already asked to talk to four guys. Mm-hmm. Jeff is number five, so uh, we'll see. But we 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 really gleaned very little of anything from Chris Ballard today about Jeff Saturday and how he's viewed internally. By, now, the one thing we did learn is is Chris will lead the, the, the search, mm-hmm. but this will come down to, to he and Jim Mersey putting their heads together, and Jim Mersey once again, will hold the final the final vote on who the head coach is. So, Mike, Marlon Jackson here, what, if anything different from today's press conference versus others that you've covered in the past, particularly the announcement of Jeff Saturday becoming in as an interim coach. Was there anything in terms of the, the nature of the press conference, the, the feeling around the press conference, the body language, the energy, you know, what's, what's different um, that allows us to be able to leave that, you know, Chris Ballard is, is at the helm and he's leading the charge solely. Good question. Now, the, the the difference in the tenor of this one was was the level of of it's on me and I, and I take the blame because he understands this thing. This thing started with everyone, and I'm ta- I'm not talking locally. I'm talking nationally. Thinking this team was a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan was the kind of guy that could take him not to the Super Bowl necessarily, but to sort of the playoffs. And this team did not did not handle it well. This team has never handled being a front runner well. I mean, look, look at the one in five starts that they've overcome with Frank. So the, the level of, of of Chris Ballard taking the blame and taking it all on, and there were other there were other things that, that led to this. I mean, the owner, his involvement, the defense collapsing, and all that. The quarterback didn't work. So maybe the level of of it's on me. Which he had to do. I mean, he right. had to go out and say, "Guys, 
throw your bricks. It's, it's on me. He had to mm-hmm. do that. As far as the, the trust in moving forward, I I don't know. I mean, I asked him, and it, it's really a – I thought about it, but you sort of had to ask a question. Is after the expectations and, and knowing how this league is, are you surprised to be talking to us today? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times these guys are, are let go with this, and he understands that. And again, he just says that you have to have the trust in who you are and what you do and and, and believe that you can get through this. And one thing that Chris Ballard will never do is is apologize for how he does things. Correct. The the, the, the effort put in and all that stuff. Now you can we can certainly question decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and he addressed those and took the blame on, you know, offensive line and all that. So but how you come out of that saying, okay, this guy's the guy. I, I don't know how you can say that. And, and this is from, a, from someone who, who really believes Chris is a good GM. Yep. He's, just, he's just missed on he. The team has missed on three major areas, you know, quarterback, left tackle, and I, I would add edge pass rusher, although that's still – there's Wait, at least you know, hope there. Yeah, There's at least yeah, hope because that was that was one of the next things I was thinking of. As you look at the roster and the eyesores are there at quarterback and and offensive line, what are the other gaps that that you see? Uh, do, do, you know, do, do we really believe the pass rushers are here? Not no, yet. I, they still, yeah. Not no, yet. They still no. they still need that guy. They you know, I think Quiddy's gonna be pretty good. I really do. Mm-hmm. But do you see him as a 12, 13, 14 sack guy? I. Not yet. No, nope. I, I, I don't. Which is fine as long as you've got that guy on the other side, you know. And, and there are spots that got that got to shore up the offensive line, right? Right guard, they need to find something. And you know, and, and I said all along, you you can hide a marginal right guard. You can't hide problems at left tackle. You just can't. Uh, and that's something that they they believe they hope. That, that may Bernard be the one Ryman. plus to come out of the last eight weeks. Is it Bernard Ryman What's got that? the? That might be the one right. plus chap of the final eight weeks, legitimately, where you can say Jeff Saturday got Ryman to play winning football, and that's going to be a big bonus going forward. Yeah, I know. I, I need to see more. I mean, sure. I, he, he still the, the problem at left tackle is when you mess up. Everybody, <laughs> sees, everybody, everybody sees it, and it's probably not going to be a good play. <laughs> so. Uh, and that's the unforgiving nature of left tackle. But but he gives you hope. He does. But I'm telling you, he, he, all, all the things that were said, none of it matters if they don't get quarterback right. I mean, I, it just doesn't. You know, w- would you guys, Marlon, have done what you did anywhere close to mm-hmm. that without elite quarterback play? And you don't have to have elite quarterback play. But you better have darn good quarterback play. Right. Chap, back to a higher level, Chris Ballard went out of his way to say, look, we did not manage expectations well at all. At all. If we work backwards chronologically, the year after Andrew Luck walked away and this odyssey began, the rhetoric was Jacoby Brissett is a top 20 quarterback. They had great conviction in that. Then it became Phillip Rivers. There's still gas in the tank. This is a multi-year commitment we know that now not to be true. Then Carson Wentz, he's going to set up the next era of greatness. Him and Frank Reich, a perfect marriage. They're going to rebound. That failed. Matt Ryan is everything we've hoped and dreamed from from an organizational standpoint. He couldn't last half a season. 
is the fact that the Colts have shot themselves in the foot from a PR standpoint at the quarterback position. Has that done more damage than otherwise if you would have just tempered expectations? Is it possible to temper expectations with Jim Irsay leading this organization, or is Chris Ballard just going to have to put up with whatever he says publicly? Yeah, but everybody was kind of high on Ryan. I mean, I was. I thought, okay, you know, this guy isn't great, but he doesn't have to be. I thought he would give him more than he gave him. I was kind of tepid on Carson Wentz. Philip Rivers, I tell you, if they got. I really thought they thought they could get two years from him, and, and that didn't happen. So, yes, and yes, the owner needs to tamp it down a little bit, but I, he doesn't know that. That's not in his vocabulary. It's not how he's built. <laughs> You're always going to get you know, multiple Lombardies and all that, which, which I understand where he's coming from, but that does sort of get, you know, that, that kind of whips up the fan base. Although the fan base, doggone it, fan base needs to learn what what's <laughs> truth and what and what's just, you know, rah-rah. Mm-hmm. But, but it, and, and it, it has set this team back. You cannot change quarterbacks every year and, and go anywhere. It, it just doesn't work. And they realized that this is a year, and he sort of said that, you know, he was asked if you have to move heaven and earth and you like the guy, don't you go and do it? And he said, yes, you will. So they're at mm-hmm. four, but don't they have to move up to get their guy? I, I just – I don't know that sitting there at four is going to be enough because you're going to get probably the – Chap, the difference, the, the difference between but, Bryce Young and Will Levis from a public perception. I mean, think about the huge. the worlds apart there. And I don't see that changing over the next 107 days. Yeah, you know, C.J. Stroud. I mean, I, I think if you get one of those two guys, mm-hmm. you can really get this faint. Because I think the perception would be that these guys can step in semi early and play. Yep. I'm not sure with anybody else that's the case. But but if you give this fan base one of those guys, even Levis, at least they see there there's something there. There's hope. There, there is light down down the tunnel. Without that, you you just you you go from anger to apathy. Apathy. When you hit apathy, I, I've been there, mm. and it's 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 not pleasant. And and once you lose the fan base, it's tough to get them back. Yep. And, and the thing is that everybody knows that. You know, there are there are more than just the Indianapolis Colts right now that are in need of a quarterback. It's, it's it drives the entire league, and, and understanding that. You can't just sit. It's hard to just sit at four because other people are going to be calling and trying to make moves no to get above you. No question. So, which, which the puts Bears the pressure. The Bears are open for business. Put, and, and you need to leverage the relationships that you have there with the Bears right now. And, and not just the relationships, organization, organization, when it comes to coaches. Those coaches have coached those dominant players that are on your roster. Correct. Right. You know, so just the entirety of the makeup of that relationship, there's some synergy there. Right. And and hopefully that synergy can create a pathway towards the coach ultimately getting to that top spot. Sure. So there's a guarantee (laughs) of you getting the individual that you want. But that that synergy has got to come with a bunch of stuff. Yep. Players. Exactly. Exactly. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Nope. Well, again, it's going to take a lot to get up there. But, but but if you're convinced that that guy is the guy, then what the hell does it matter what the cost is? Because you got to get him. And 
chap, there is not a fan in Indianapolis driving around right now that would argue with you because everyone is okay with moving on from what you just watched this season, a team that was relatively healthy, a team that schematically was thought to have one of the best offensive minds in the league, and you turned in the worst offense in terms of DVOA and the most turnovers. We've danced around head coach and quarterback. Those decisions are not going to be made today. Chap, if you were a Colts veteran in the locker room, surely watching along with the rest of us this afternoon, what did you take away from Chris Ballard, specifically his message to the top-level players on this team and what his vision is for this roster going forward? Well, and it's one that fans aren't going to want to hear, but it's, trust me, I will fix this. And you either trust him or you don't. If you're a veteran, now if you're a player – under contract, you might as well trust him because you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's but but I, you just have to, I guess blind blind faith isn't really because if you look overall, if if you can forget the fact that they've whiffed on quarterback and left tackle on pass rusher, if you, if you can look, look past those three <laughs> awful things, there's been some really good drafts. There's been some good draft picks. There have some. Some strong players. This roster, I'm convinced this roster isn't as much trash and as people think it is. It's just got holes where you can't have holes. Well, and, and that's where I was thinking earlier. If if somebody can present the data of all the information that you just talked about, the failures, the successes, right, the draft picks that we hit on, you know, you look at a guy like it was a Ronnie Ronnie Thomas seventh round draft pick this right. year. Like when you're able to find those hidden gems, right? You know that we need we need more of that. But there has been some success. You hear some people talk about the entirety of the six years as a failure, right? You you. you just made some some wrong turns along the right. way that got you off track, but the entirety of the six years have not been full of failure. No, but 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 the six years have been forty six, fifty four, and one. I think it is. Mm-hmm. It's and it's been. You know, you're, you're the only team that's not won a division title, which is really damning. That's the problem. And you've won what two playoffs, two playoff appearances, and you won one game. That, that's where that's where it is, and, and what's really got to get the, the owner PO'd is they were like one four and one in the division this year. That's the worst they've been in the division since there was a division. Yes, yeah, worst in the history of the AFC South. Mike Chapel joining us on the guest line, presented by the Mower Shop and Fishers, the MowerShop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Chap. Other things you learned today in terms of how this process will move forward, uh, not only a head coach, but also with moves on this offense going forward. Marlon Jackson's asking, present you some data. Chris Ballard has acquired veteran proven players on the defensive side of the ball. He has neglected to do that on the offensive side of the ball. What can change this offseason in that department? Well, I mean, he. I guess when you're talking the draft, they, they've done good things in the draft with the offense with mm-hmm. Braden Smith and Quentin. Although he had a down season, you know, and until they you know trade him, Naheem Hines, Jonathan Taylor, mm-hmm. Pittman. But free agent wise, they haven't. I wonder how much they'll be, how active they can be in free agency this year, and they need to be some. And I think they'll have the money to do that because they're going to save like 17 million when they get rid of Matt Ryan. Uh, 
but defensively, they just need again. They need a they need a pass rusher. They do, and I think that if they can get him, they need another receiver. They need boy a top end guy. Is it an, chap? Is it an if at this point? To me, that is paramount outside of whoever the quarterback is inside the top four. Yes, it, there is no if anymore. The time no, the time has passed. Well, and then too, keep in mind that this going into this off season, this is when you normally extend your running back and your wide receiver. Uh, your wide receiver, you know, they're going into their third year, and that's normally when you extend them. You know, what, what's your grunt level on extending Jonathan Taylor, who, who's an elite running back? So I think they do that. How much are you willing to pay Michael Pittman? Yeah. You know, the, the going rate for a receiver now starts at $20 million. How do you so forecast I, that that transpiring? I job? don't know. I, I think yeah. they, I think I think they get calls. Taylor done, and I don't know that they get yeah. Pittman done. I, and, I, and I don't mean this as a disrespect to Pittman. I, I think that the way this offense was, he had to be one of the most frustrated players on the team. Agreed. They, tur- they turned him into like 9.3 a, a reception. Chap, I'll ask you, what, what do you think of think of the the secondary? When when you look at the secondary and understanding, sometimes you need some playmakers, especially at the safety position. How do you feel about that area going going forward? Well, yeah, because you're going to lose what the face on's a, a free agent uh, at Correct. corner. Uh, McLeod's a free agent, mm-hmm. and and they've got young players there. But boy, you need and Gilmore will be back, which. This bad season overshadowed how well he played this year. Yeah, he, he was awesome. Really good. He was really good. But they need playmakers. Blackman, you want to see him continue to get better. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I like what they've got, but but they just don't have enough. And this league is all about playmaking. And, and getting Leonard back next year, if he can come back and be somewhere where, you know close to what he was, this defense did not turn the ball over much. You know, take take the ball away, which made it really tough. <laughs> and then, and then when the offense can't do much, it really wore down the defense. So I'm, I'm with you, Marlon. They need playmakers back there. Safety, another another corner. You can never have too many corners the way teams throw the ball. So that's going to be a major focus again uh, in the off season. And then when you look at you, you, you mentioned Shaq being out, but then in his absence. You have Bobby that steps up, and you have Zaire, and they both play phenomenal, right? You know, what do you think about those two individuals? Who I think they're both entering. Okereke is free agent. It's EJ Speed as well. Zaire on a very team friendly contract. They yeah. just yeah, they just re-signed Zaire this past season. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, and I, I would assume you need to either re-sign one or the other, Okereke or EJ, and I would assume EJ. EJ. EJ is going to be more a, a, affordable. So, but I thought I thought Okereke played great this year. I really, I really do. And they've been really good at at finding linebackers, drafting linebackers. You know, remember Anthony Walker uh, had a great seat, had a great mm-hmm. career here. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's one thing that you know. It's, yeah, that's been a really strong area. Well, don't let it dip. And you you would hope that you know by. April, what kind of shape Shaq's in? I would like to know by April that that he's making Surely. really, really good progress, and he's really doing the things he should do, or that he's not. It's, well, what if he's not? 
What, what do you well, think? Well, if you're then? not, then you need <laughs> then you need a you need to focus on bringing in a, a, a starting linebacker. Uh, and we talked to Shaq yesterday, and he he sounded positive. He, you know, he he said, "Now I'm getting that feeling back that I didn't have after the first surgery." So, but until you see a guy play and and in in practice and practice this day, the next day, the next day, to where hey, I feel pretty good, and I'm getting my feeling back. I've got not not I'm getting I've got my feeling back, and I and and by. August, I'll be ready to play. I know I will. Not that I hope I will. So again, you've got a, you've got so many issues you, you need to address. The last thing you want to do is add to it by Shaq being iffy again. That just complicates everything. And and fellas, with with all due respect, I feel like we are spending a little too much time on the defensive side of the ball. We would all agree through eight weeks, through ten weeks, this defense was ready and capable of winning a postseason game, you have the worst offense in Indianapolis with no plan, with no head coach, with a murky young quarterback situation and a potential Hail Mary coming in the veteran quarterback market to be a stopgap so that young quarterback isn't ruined three months into his NFL season. Chap, I want to conclude this conversation with this. Ballard was serious when he said, look, I've fired myself 50 times this season. I sat in agony in the press box. The number one answer Colts fans want today is why has Jim Irsay decided to move forward with Chris Ballard? If you can give your perspective on that to close this conversation. Because he trusts him. He does. I mean, I, I, that, that's all I can tell you is, is he trusts him. He's trusted him from the time he hired him. He believes in him. And if there was even the remote percentage that he didn't trust him, he, he would have gotten rid of him. He did, you know, they got rid of Frank. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy really liked Frank, trusted Frank, and, and still holds him close as a friend. But the only, the only thing I can tell you is the owner trusts the GM. Uh, again, we were talking in the press room. This is a case of the owner saying, I trust you to fix what you broke. That, that that's a leap. That that's a big leap to take. But all I can say is he trusts him, and we'll know if not this year, we'll know in two years whether that trust was founded, well founded. Colts Nation, when the dean speaks, you listen. Mike Chapel, thank you for hopping on the fan one zero seven five, the Mower Shop and Fishers Chap. We will certainly be in touch here as this head coaching search officially starts in Indianapolis. Thank you very much. Stay in touch, you guys. See you, Marlon. See you, Chap. Well, people aren't going to want to hear that, Marlon, but it is the truth. There were scapegoats in the past. If you look at this season, it was Rodrigo Blankenship to start the year. Then it was Matt Ryan, can't play. Then it was Frank Reich, can't coach. Then it was the analytics department scared Frank Reich into coaching. And now there won't be a scapegoat to end the season. Chris Ballard's going to move forward as general manager and... It's his job, first and foremost, as we learned today, the first domino in Indianapolis is figuring out which head coach. Head coach, is, that's it. And we'll move in. And the head coach and the scheme, the schematics that will come with that coach, right? Because I think we, you you brought us back to the offensive side, and a big part of that is the offensive plan, 
right? You, when you look at the National Football League right now, when you see the Kansas City Chiefs, you see the Buffalo Bills, they have a dynamic quarterback, but they have a dynamic scheme as well. They have a very creative scheme. So, you know, with that head coach, is that a part of the search? Is it more of a more of an offensive, right? coach or is it somebody that's more of a defensive coach and then either way you know are they going to be calling the plays like Frank did or are they going to just trust their their offensive coordinator and allow them to be able to do their thing you know but it is the first step is that head coach but with that what type of system are they bringing with them here that is going to change the the dynamics of this offense and that is going to fit the quarterback, because I think, you know, the guys that are all, all three of them, um, they have the ability to be elusive, right, and to be able to extend yes. plays. C.J. Straw is not known as much for that, but he has the capability of, that do, in the of, do, of doing sure. so, right? You know, and, but but that is the new age game, right? The, the run pass option, having the, just a straight quarterback runs, right? Which adds another dynamic for the defense to have to be aware of, which makes it even harder to game plan, you know, because that was one of the things this, overall this season, the offensive game plan didn't seem to scare anyone, right? And God, there, there, was, no. there was no creativity. And that was from jump, right? You know, from, from day one, it, that you, first half in Houston, when we were all looking at each other, it's twenty to three. What in the world? Well, you were just watching reality of, and, of where they were and where they couldn't move on from. There was no Marlon. You brought up okay, offensive or defensive mind for head coach. If you bring Jeff Saturday back, you leave both of those bingo slots blank. There, there is no there. You need to find up and coming coaches now on both sides of the ball. Jeff Saturday will not be a coordinator. He he will be no. He's going straight the lifeline. <laughs> He'll do what he does best, and that's rallying a team and staying positive. And with what he believes is his vision and his stuff behind the scenes that would start in April instead of mid November. Finding the offensive component to this coaching staff is just as important as finding the quarterback. Exactly. It it, it is because, I mean, it it goes hand in hand. And you don't have anything remotely close on the offensive coaching side. That would have been, look, Frank Reich, Super Bowl proven offensive game planner, made Nick Foles, who you just watched for the past two weeks, a Super Bowl MVP. And now you you are back to square one in terms of finding that offensive mind. Can you find that as a coordinator without making that person the head coach? Is there someone that oh, I, I would that say they're definitely coming? I, I don't know particularly, Surely. but yeah, there, we, there's somebody out there that is extremely talented, up and coming as an offensive coordinator, right? You know that can be paired with a strong leader. Yeah, that's the thing with with a, a head coach is, you know, the, the X's and O's. You like to have a history of X's and O's. But you're right now is not going to be rooted in the as much of the X's and O's, right? You know, you, you're going to trust your coordinators to do their job and have the schematics and the game plans and all that. But you are a manager of the organization, of the related relationships, of the the culture and the climate. Um, but then you may have 
a specific area of expertise that you do spend more time, similar to how Jeff probably spent more time with the offensive line Mm -hmm. during his tenure right now. Um, But there are so many factors that come into play, and, and right now, rightfully so, we are focused on that first one being who's the coach, and then that next one being who's the quarterback. But we we can't lose sight of it's not just going to be those two individuals that lead the charge in the direction of the team in the future. Super Bowl Forty One champ Marlon Jackson in studio alongside Charlie Clifford. When we return on the fan. Chris Ballard's role in the head coaching search, plus why Jeff Saturday will be a candidate. Those two answers and the top five things we learned from Ballard's season-ending press conference. Keep it with the fan. I don't ever worry about... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. That chap, I mean, I come to work, I give you everything I got. I mean, everything I got. Like, I don't shortchange anything. I don't worry about getting let go and fired. I do the best I can. And even the best laid plans sometimes, even the best thought out plans, don't, they don't work sometimes. I mean, they don't. Didn't work last year. So I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses for that. And I'm not going to make excuses for having a job. I've got to do my job better. No, the plan didn't work. You were outscored by more points than any team in the National Football League. Seven straight losses, the longest streak in Indianapolis since 2011. 34 turnovers, six more than any team. Minus 13 in terms of your turnover differential, the fifth worst in franchise history. 17 points a game, only the Broncos were worse. 37 fumbles, four more than any team. This team is not close, Marlon Jackson. (laughs) That's a lot of data right there. This team is not close. Showing how far away the Indianapolis Colts are. But yes, they are far away. But, you know, one of the first steps towards reaching the potential is taking accountability and then devising the plan that is going to allow you to be successful. And only time will tell how successful that plan actually is. Um, But looking forward to seeing and witnessing how things unfold. Um, We know the shortcomings of this roster so far with the offensive line, the the carousel at quarterback, right? The the dysfunction of coach coordinators being fired, head coach being fired, a coach, uh, a former player with uh, little to no coaching experience putting it lightly being given an opportunity um, still doesn't work out doesn't right the ship you find yourselves with the fourth pick overall in a 2023 NFL draft what's next what are we going to do what moves are we willing to make in order to get up to that top spot possibly those words courtesy of Super Bowl 41 champ Marlon Jackson seated next to me, Charlie Clifford, in the DriveHubler.com studios. It will be a seventh new week one starting quarterback for Chris Ballard in seven years. Ballard is still here, and here are his thoughts about the head coaching search that begins today. I won't get into who the candidates are. I know there's names out there, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, I'll lead the search. Um, look, ultimately... Mr. Ursay makes the final call. I don't care what order. There's 32 
teams, 32 owners. They own the team. We give them, you know, here's what, here's our thoughts. Mr. Arce is a good listener. Ultimately, he'll make the final call, but he will lean heavily on our work and what we do to get the coaching candidates in place. Ed Dodds, Morocco Brown, Chris Ballard, the inner circle of this scouting and development group that will get another year. We've heard from many of you on the hotline upset that Chris Ballard is still here after Frank Reich was shown the door midway through the season. Marlon Jackson, when we take into account what we learned about Chris Ballard's vision of the talent on this roster, he made it very clear there will be roster changes. And that was not a message about the third string cornerback, the who's going to be the kick returner. No, that is going to be prominent players who many of you probably have their jerseys in the stands that will be shown the door in Indianapolis due to the shortcomings on the field. Which position groups do you think are most susceptible to a major overhaul this offseason? That is a that is a good good question. I you know, um, when it, when you, when you think about moves possibly possibly being made, mm-hmm. and you think about value, there's some value along the offensive line, mm-hmm. right? And we we saw regression along the offensive line without question, right? Um, so. There could be some moves made there. The defensive line is another another area. You have two, two of the guys there. that were mentioned today, Ed Grover Stewart, right? You know, um, and DeForest Buckner. They are guys that are anchors. Two of the few that played to their standard. That this played season. to that standard, but that's a part of the reason why they are intriguing. Teams want those types of individuals. We, we talk about the emphasis of the quarterback position, and with that being an emphasis in the National Football League on the opposing end on defense, getting after the quarterback is a premium, right? And when you have a guy like Defoe, DeForest Buckner on the inside, that can create pressure up the middle and make it difficult for quarterbacks to step up into a clean pocket – he is extremely valuable across the NFL. And in a guy like Grover Stewart, right? Grover's been playing phenomenal. But this year, even after getting the big contract, he elevated his game to another level. Yes. Right? The penetration, making plays in the backfield, being able to beat guys consistently in a one-on-one matchup. Again, those are two of the guys that I think about. They are extremely valuable chess pieces right in terms of the game that's going to be played of the of the NFL draft and what moves are the coaches willing to make to get to where they want to be to go after that quarterback that they desire one year ago at this day you had seven pro bowlers and a major issue at quarterback Carson Wentz was scapegoated moved out of town now today you have one pro pro bowler, you are no closer at quarterback, and you don't have a head coach. It's Chris Ballard's job to figure it out. That will start with adding more talent on the field. Ballard's take on this roster, just how good is it after a four-win season? I mean, look, we're starting that process. I mean, obviously we're not good enough. I mean, you finished 4-12-1. Let's don't – I'm not going to sit up here and act like, oh, you know what, we had a Super Bowl roster and – 
it's everybody. No, we're not. At the end of the day, we're not good enough. And we got to figure out the areas we're not good enough. Do I think we're devote, just complete? Our talent is not like when I walked in here in 17, I thought we had some talent issues that we had to correct. Um, I do think there's some building pieces here. They got to play better. You know, our best players got to play to their standard. But I don't I don't think we're void of talent. We need to add more talent, and there's areas that we need to get better at, but I don't think we're vo- complete void of talent. Chris Ballard called himself stubborn and dogmatic at times with his approach. You can say, put it on my grave. I will never waver on the fact that you need to win up front. You need to be great in the trenches. And everything else, Marlon Jackson, appears to be under evaluation, as it should. Um, you've mentioned DeForest Buckner Ballard said he still does not regret that trade in 2020 to move a first round pick to add an anchor, someone from a character standpoint that checked every box, someone who this season was a complete pro post game, answering the unanswerable questions of why this team quite honestly stunk. Um, Jonathan Taylor would be in your category of players that have talent that need to play better. He came off of the best season in franchise history and due to lingering ankle issues, a update we got on Jonathan Taylor today is it looks like a things are going in the positive yep. direction of Taylor not having to have surgery. Um, how much would you push back on Chris Ballard that, look, put the defense to the side. Offensively, there is still not enough on paper after turning in one of, if not the league's worst offense, the league's second worst offense that... You know, no, I'm going to push back on the fact that you're saying there's still talent on the offensive end of the ball, taking Jonathan Taylor's name out of account. Who who has proven that they are trending either in the right direction or have a ceiling that can be a legitimate difference maker on this roster? I, I would say first and foremost, Jelani Woods, uh, the rookie tight end. Uh, I think he maybe okay. has the... The highest highest ceiling of, of all the guys on offense, um, I, I say Paris Campbell is trending in the right direction. I think that's fair um, as well. You know, there there's some some other guys that I think still there, there's some ability there. Bernard Ryman, um, Bernard Ryman mm-hmm. trending it trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Chap. I still I still want to see a little bit more. For me, I'm not convinced that he's the answer. At left, at left tackle, even even though the performance right was uh, positive, performance increased, but still not totally sold there at that position. Um, and then our, our young guy, wide receiver, I Alec know, Pierce, Alan, Alec Pierce. I think just with the nature because he is a, a rookie, there is a ceiling there. Um, but I wanted to see more consistency uh, across the season. But just in terms of athletic ability and talent I think I think there's a lot there but I think there's just some development as a wide receiver understanding releases understanding route running all of that that I think that he has one of the highest ceilings as well and he will he will improve dramatically I feel like next year so you know with that as long as you have again what Chris Ballard said that is true it all starts up front Right. Anybody that knows football knows that if you don't have the holes to run through, if you don't have the time to be able to find people, Mm -hmm. right, nothing works. And at the receiver position, if your offensive line's not playing well, your quarterback's not making quick decisions, it it makes it a lot easier to cover you 
as a defensive back. Oh, this team was very easy to cover. Easy to cover. And part of that is because those coordinators understood that, hey, no time. they're not Can't doing a great creative. job up front, right? When it comes to knowing how many guys are in the box and where to shift the protection, we were we, we did a terrible job of executing that this year, which was a part of the relationship between the center, Ryan Kelly, and our quarterback, whoever was that quarterback. You know, we're, we're not on the same page consistently. No. And it hurt not just the running game, the passing game, and it hurt the performance of the wide receivers. You know, it's it's not an indoctrination upon our wide receivers in terms of what they are or aren't capable of. I, I think the nature of the offensive line play and the poor poor quarterback play led to less opportunities for them to display all of their talent. I think Michael Pittman Jr. is listening to Marlon Jackson somewhere right now saying thank you. Thank you. Still at 99 catches, nearly 1,000 yards. We need to take a break on the fan, Charlie Clifford, Marlon Jackson. Okay, Chris Ballard admitted today it hasn't worked. It's his fault, and he's still your general manager. How will his philosophy building this roster change, knowing that this is his last chance to get it right in Indianapolis? That discussion, that answer from Ballard is next on the fan. I don't ever go into a... At that time, we were three, five, and one. I've been a part of teams that been one and five and made the playoffs. Been a time, uh, last year, we were one and four and we're nine and six. So I ain't, like I'm not throwing in a towel midseason. You know, then we go and we beat the Raiders um, in his first games. You think, okay, we got a we got a shot here to maybe you know rebound this thing, and then it just got spinning out of control. I don't I don't ever. My mindset is never in going into a game where like we don't have a shot. I just. I don't have even at any point. I just my mind doesn't work that way. If the Colts still had a shot, why is Jeff Saturday's argument to be head coach that he simply didn't have the conditions to work under to implement what he thought needed to be changed? Uh, that certainly doesn't line up with if you put those two statements next to each other. Charlie Clifford, Marlon Jackson, Super Bowl Forty One champ in the DriveHubler.com studios. 15 minutes to go here on the fan as we continue to digest the major takeaways from what we learned, what is concrete after Chris Ballard spoke this afternoon to put the final thoughts on a 4-12-1 season, the biggest disappointment for any NFL fan base, maybe with the exception of the Denver Broncos, and that's a strong maybe, (laughs) Marlon Jackson. There was nowhere where things went south. We've tried to remind people all week, Marlon, look, 18 teams across the league had the same Same. press conference today. That's right. And to some degree are trying to figure out the same answers. In terms of getting it right on the roster, Chris Ballard on why he may change now, finally, his philosophy on how to build a team in the National Football League. He was asked, what are you going to do? Here's his response. I got to grow. Like, I'm very stubborn and dogmatic sometimes. I do believe you have to be great up front. Like, I'll never, like, that's can, that's in my, I'll, that'll be on my grave. Like, you got to be good up front. And we weren't good enough this year. Um, we showed signs, and I, and I do think there's potential going forward, but we, at the end of the day, we weren't good enough. And that's, that's on me. But in terms of how we build the rest of the roster, that's an area that we'll examine hard and move forward and grow. Marlon Jackson, Charlie Clifford with you. Marlon, if you're a player, 
Do you have a preference if the next head coach, let's let's say for now Jeff Saturday won't be that coach, someone with NFL experience, head coaching experience, or someone from the college ranks who's <laughs> never done it, does it matter to you? As, as a player, I think you're going to be more comfortable with a guy that's been in the NFL. Um, just the nature of the relationship. The relationship dynamics are, are totally different when you're you know talking about they're all young men across the young men across the spectrum but it's a different dynamic with a college coach and a kid coming out of high school that's you know still finding themselves versus grown men Mm -hmm. that have more of a self-identity and that are going to command another level of respect um that's where you see the instances like you know urban meyer and a lack of success that he was able to have because he wasn't able to make that transition and differentiate between college guys and NFL guys and relationally, how do I need to treat these individuals, mm-hmm. right? You know, and as a player, I think naturally you're going to feel more comfortable with someone who has had experience on the level that you are currently on. Um, I think the ultimately the resume of that coach whether it be from the collegiate level yep. or on the professional level that's going to hold the most weight right you know um I, i've seen things about ryan day possibly interviewing going to arizona you don't know if that's fake news or not but somebody like ryan day i think he would be maybe re- respected you know in terms of He's developed. Jim Harbaugh would be in that Jim, same Jim Harbaugh, because he, he's, he's been there. Different... Nick, Nick Saban, he, he's been there, done that. But they have a track record of developing NFL talent. And as long as a coach has a track record of that, in my opinion, they can be received by the guys in those NFL locker rooms. But if there's not much of a resume behind a collegiate coach in way of developing NFL talent – this is not the situation for you because there will be more of a mess on your hands if you go around and hire what is perceived to be yet another inexperienced person for that position. To me, the safer hire here, the better. There have been two coaches, Marlon Jackson, since 2000 to jump from the college ranks and have a winning record in the National Football League. Bill O'Brien with the Texans, Doug Marone, the Jaguars. Um, that is not a long list. Yeah. And something tells me that will weigh heavily on a franchise that just chose to put one of its most storied players who hadn't coached above high school ball in the driver's seat in Indianapolis. Matt Ryan, according to Chris Ballard, Marlin, still has something left to play. I think that surprised a lot of Colts fans well, today. What do you make of those there, comments? There, those words didn't hold much weight to me. Um <laughs> you know, it, it, we, we, he authentic, but I could I could see there that he was being strategic in the usage of his words and trying to find the right words to describe Matt Ryan and saying that he still has something left. But it, what he said, he still has something left. It wasn't anything definitive. He didn't. He didn't talk about his. He didn't talk about his arm. He, he talked about his his mind. He talked about his professionalism. So the type of guy that he can be in a locker room, not as much as the guy that he can be on the field. Mm. Right. I mean, if I'm reading between the lines, well said. that's what I picked up there. And that was just him, you know, hey, being a wordsmith and putting his, his words together in a way that he wasn't going to damage the goods that are currently on his shelf.
<laughs> you're you're spot on. We have three minutes to go. We have talked about every corner of the Chris Ballard press conference this afternoon. Unless you get quarterback right, it doesn't matter who's in the GM spot, who's in the head coaching spot. doesn't matter what skill guys you have. It's going to be a long, long road in Indianapolis. We're going to close with this. Chris Ballard on how he's handled the quarterback situation since he's arrived in Indianapolis. Ballard's words this afternoon. We're going to get that thought. Eddie Garrison has been so on the money today. And on it. It's just been a, it's been a, it's been a great day uh, of just break, being able to break break down and and discuss and analyze everything that's going on with the Indianapolis in real time. It's, it's fun. It's it's, intri- it's it's intriguing. It's intriguing. Everybody cares and everybody should care. So we're going to get that in a moment. Okay. Marlon, let's close with this instead. Your number one takeaway in the final minute of the show here from what Chris Ballard said. For me, it was the line that, look, I fired myself 50 times. I sat through and agonized in the press box with the rest of you. Surely Chris Ballard knows this is his last shot. And guess what? He has the biggest decision this franchise has made since 2011 now in his lap. And you, I, I think more Colts fans, as time goes on, will be comfortable with that. What are your? Th- what was your number one takeaway today? Um, they are comfortable with that. I think. I think they will become more and more comfortable with that as this offseason goes on. So not not even just from the press conference, but even the conversation that we were having with Chap, right? And what what he sensed was that Mister Ursay still had trust in Chris Ballard, right? You know, that's why he's here for for him to pick up on that, um, and for that to even still be the circumstance that even through all of this, there's still a level of trust there, right? And and then I, I will add just the takeaway from the season that Chris Ballard talked about that I uh, agree with was the departure of the competitive confidence, mm-hmm. right? You know, that is essential to being successful is belief in yourself and others. And that's a cultural thing. And it's how are you going to go about restoring that order? Right. You know, and that starts with the coach that you bring in and what type of leader is that individual and what type of track record do they have with building that type of confidence in their players? Marlon Jackson, Super Bowl 41 champ, an honor to have Marlon in studio today. Charlie Clifford, we are out. JMV's next.